There's your class leaders, Ryan Hunter having uh, just relatively recently taken over the P2 lead from the Nissa. Uh, we, we had the sun earlier on, wow. and now... Uh, Very cool. Now, it was like Le Mans this morning in the mist, and of course Le Mans runs as close as possible to a full moon. That's why it is that particular week in June. Shortest, shortest uh, night, biggest moon. On board with the 0-1, and Simon Paginot charging 54 seconds away from the lead at the moment and took a full second out of Nicola Lapierre. Just to do a little bit of housekeeping before I bring Jeremy Shaw back in. Johnny, oh, this is Timo Bernard coming up the pit lane on the starter motor by the sound of it. That car is not going to make it. Don't tell me he's run out of diesel. What a disaster. But that car was... I'm sure he was on the... the pit lane. The car's not starting anymore. Uh, I'll tell you what, he's tried to do one Copy lap longer on this stint he did last time. And last stint was 24 laps for that car. This time, 25. Was that one too many? Okay, well, he's managed to get the pressure up and get it going again. The pit guys who were running down towards him will now have to run all the way back. Was that almost a Frank Beeler moment from Le Mans? And they're running back the other way. Now... Leader calling out fuel on it. We don't often see that from Audi. It was uh, a little bit comical. A uh, little bit of housekeeping, I was going to say. Uh, Johnny Morlam did a cracking job early on in the 048 LMPC car. That car pretty much rebuilt by Hugh Chamberlain and his boys earlier on. And uh, he was absolutely flying. Unfortunately, they are now out with a broken floor on that car. It's been a real disaster for them in the race. They've had zero luck. They had a, a little fire in the set off a fire extinguisher. Johnny got squirted with extinguishing and uh, now there's a, a broken floor. I found that we don't have, the, we don't have the tools to be able to change a broken floor in that car, in fact. <laughs> Next, if they had the floor to change. Next into the pit lane, Pedro Lamy and Pedro will be getting out of the number eight Peugeot. As for the first yeah. time in a little while, Simon Pagino fails to take time from Lapierre. He's got the hurry up. A slightly slower lap from Simon Pagino means that's gone out of 58.4 seconds, but expect to see the ebb and flow between first and second, depending on where the traffic is. Timo Bernard getting back up to speed. Let's have a listen to the Audi, just to make sure that it's nothing too sinister. They've got him stopped in pit lane. This is down towards the hairpin. How quiet is that? Listening into the team radio, it's possible that Timo Bernard did not see the fuel light come on. And he may well have just uh, been very lucky there in getting in. Well, like I said, they did go one lap farther than they had on the previous stint, and 24 laps to 25. And it's a 3.7 mile lap here, that's a, a pretty long way. And we, we talked to the team earlier in the week, and they were saying, you know, with this smaller fuel tank, uh, they aren't getting quite the fuel mileage, well, the fuel, the uh, distance between the pit stops that they were previously. This is his teammate, Tom Christensen, in the pit lane. Tyres laid out for Tom, but I think Tom stood in the car there. And this is quite unusual. Uh, if they don't change drivers, they tend not to change the tyres, although they may be going to a different compound, of course, at this stage in the evening. With just over two hours still to go. Yep, it's a new set of Michelin rubber for 
the two car and you can see just ahead of Tom's car the number eight stop board illuminated so I expect Pedro Lamy in shortly out goes the number two Audi fourth position And here comes Pedro Lamy from third position. Very distinctive rear light treatment on the Peugeot as it heads down towards Jamie Howe. Actually, I'm down here. Excuse me, no, Kelly. No, that's all right. Pedro Lamy brought in the number eight, but they've made a driver change already. Frank Montagny will now uh, take over driving duties. You wonder, he'll probably finish this out. But a relatively short uh, stint there for Pedro Lamy. Um, after he gets a flat spot on the tires. Uh, right now they're changing, putting some fresh Michelins on. Everything going uh, pretty smoothly so far, but we'll see if this number eight can make up some ground uh, from a third spot. Amy? Just to get an update on the Risi Competizione team, team manager David Sims, there was a lot of confusion down here in the pit box. Jamie Malo not happy and not ready for that driver change. What happened? Uh, we got an electrical problem and the battery is going flat when we put the 24-hour light system on for the night. Headlights are right, but it's draining the battery and we think it's an alternator problem, which if it is, then we, we have a big problem. So we're waiting to see. We strapped another battery in, so we're going to see how long that battery is going to last if the alternator is not working. What was the confusion with Jamie? He, he was asking, why are we doing a driver change right now? Well, he, he's had a bit of a problem uh, with his back. And we, we asked Tony to do two stints, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't do two stints, so we had to get Jamie in. He had no choice. Do you think the issues that you're having here, is this a product of not getting the car soon enough and not having any testing with this 458? Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, we'd love to test it with, all, with everything, everything electrical on. That's what we normally do to test the alternator, you know, give it a good 10-hour test. Obviously, we could, you know, so we're testing now. Welcome to your test session, Ferrari. Ask Dave Sims a question, you get the answer. Yes. I mean, you know. No beating about really, really, really. Well, he's not going to be happy if he sees that picture, because if that's his car, he's got the 24-hour lights on again on that car, and he's been told not to put them on, and that is the 062, you can see by the two bright yellow Pennzoil stickers, Pennzoil Ultra stickers on the uh, back valance, and those, the lights I'm talking about are the additional four lights, two in the bottom of the spoiler, and two in the sort of middle bumper area, and that, they think, is what is draining the battery. But uh, Jamie Mello clearly thinking he needs them on to make up time and distance on the cars around him. Dropped out a sixth position and dropped two laps on the leaders. Nearly three laps on the leaders, actually. Yeah, that's uh, certainly uh, very bad news for that team. And you know, it's this, this, a lot of this track is pretty dark around there. I mean, it's really tough to see. I present to the court in the back straight. Yeah. Still very interested at this battle at the head of the field as we watch Jamie Mello come out of turn 17 and across the line. It's Jeremy Shaw and John Hindle. He's actually only one lap down. Uh, yeah, it's amazingly. No. Yeah. He just completed 252 
and the class leaders have completed 2.53 shortly. Well, there it is actually now, 2.54, so almost two laps down, but not quite. And Dirk Muller goes across the line right there with Augusto Farfus within one second. So we've got uh, a battle for the lead in GT between the two BMWs. And what did J Joey Hand say earlier on? He said, if it gets down to the, I'm paraphrasing here clearly, if it gets down to the last knockings, there's no such things as teammates, mm. and so long as we don't run into each other, I'm racing anybody out there. Right, so at the moment it's Dirk Mueller versus Augusto Farfus. It's Dirk Mueller who leads in the 56 car, and Augusto Farfus second in the number 55, but nothing between them. That's quite interesting because Farfus has normally been out there whilst Prio's been out there, so something's just changed a little bit there. Now that looks like the, that BMW's just had a coming together with a Corvette and that looks like a puncture for the 55 car, Farfus, second place in GT2, has had a rub incident. Just, just lap if you got a puncture, look at the pressure gauges. Is it, is it a puncture? Yeah. Oh, yes, it's a puncture and once again the carcass has just completely come off the wheel. It looked like, it, came to, it, looked like it might have come to rest in the truck. Third flat pressures look good. He's got to be careful here. He's he's running on the rim. Yes, he is. He's running on the rim. And I'm not. He must know it. Surely there'll be a little bit of rubber just hanging onto the bead. Now in the darkness. Look at the headlights. Look at what's going on behind. Turns in or four side by side. Bang bang. And there is where the damage was done. You can see that the Corvette gets damaged on the right front and the left rear of the BMW. And exactly what we were talking about earlier, Jeremy, about the camber on the wheels. There's just that part where at the bottom of the wheel they stick out. And if you get two of them bashing together, the spokes of the rims as well as the bodywork and the, in fact, probably more so than the bodywork and the carbon fibre is actually doing the damage on the wheel, on the wheel rim. No in no action from the race officials racing incident which is also of course what must have happened with Tom Christensen earlier on so I think he did get away with one a little bit there under two hours to go Jeremy are you ready to shake yourself up yeah. for the last 120 minutes so that was that was the the fifth place Corvette the car zero four with Oliver Gavin at the wheel with which the second place car in GT uh, clashed there and the, the second of the Corvettes the 03 car driven currently by Olivia Beretta is in third place about 45 seconds behind the class leader for huge, that damage huge dent in the wheel rim on the left rear like a big chunk taken out of it and that's probably I mean it's, it's come around sort of three quarters of a lap but there's a big dent there and that's what will have deflated the tyre almost immediately still showing his third place Augusto Farfus as he comes in because Pierre Caffer is yet to come round in the 5-1 the AF Corsica car down to BMW Jamie Howe the number 55 BMW from Rahel Letterman Lanigan Racing's pulled into a stop they are doing a driver change and it looks like they did a great job Augusto Farfus did a great job of a broken wheel and not doing any damage to the body very there is a broken wheel on the car. It looks like that might be what caused the damage. Team doing all four tires right now. They're going to get him back out and underway. The team has done a lot of practice in the offseason to improve their pit stops. They practice stuff like this, and now they are finished. They're still going to do some work on that on the rear. They're trying to get the broken wheel off. The problem now is when the tires shred, there's actually shreds of rubber stuck in it. They're pulling those out, and now the new, the new rear. 
moment. There's bodywork damage on the left-hand side. The remnants of the alloy wheel being thrown away with disdain. Now the other side of that's the inside that you can see. If you could see the outside of that rim, you would see there's a huge chunk being taken out of it. They're trying another tyre here because the bodywork has been deformed. So there's no damage to the hub there. It's interesting to see them pulling the bands of the rubber out with the metal or carbon reinforcement. That's good. Get the wheel spinning. Let's feel if there's anything loose at the back. No, it seems okay. Off and running. But like look, at, look at how they've dropped down the uh, timing and scoring monitor. Yeah, I think that was Dirk Werner taking over at the wheel of car number 55. But it's certainly lost a lot of time. They might... Uh, you know, we'll have to see how much time they've lost here. But not too far behind him on the road was Oliver Gavin. It's about a minute or so behind him. So might not quite have caught him. But I think that battle is going to be heating up. I think, I think Kaffer's gone through. I think Ollie Gavin might, might have, might have gone through. Yeah. Well, behind that, he's only at the worst. He's going to lose a couple of places, but he's lost time on the leaders. Now this is the 0-3 Corvette. Now up into second place with Olivia Beretta, the Monegasque driver. Well, we said this before. He's much got out of that, can he? No. Well, yellow lights as well, you see, yeah. on the GT cars, as we've always had here. There goes a prototype. It's one of the level 5 cars, the 33, fighting its way back from its earlier problems. Still going. Points to be yeah. had here. Well, absolutely right. And Olivia Barretto, he's been losing a little bit of time to the BMWs over the last couple of laps. And notice a second or, or two on each of the last two laps. So we can see if he can up that pace a little bit for Olivia Barretto to to keep some pressure on that leading BMW car number 56. Yeah, that'd be nice. And meanwhile, up at the front of the field, nothing's changed up front. Nicolas Lapierre in car number 10 still leads pretty handily from Simon Parrish. He's actually extended that lead now to a little over a minute with, mm. what, uh, less than two hours now to go in this race. So it's looking very, very good for Team Orica Matmut. And Frank Montani is charging along in third place, trying to make a dent into the advantage that Simon Page you know, has over him. There is Nicolas Lapierre. Nicolas Lapierre. We don't talk too much about Nicolas Lapierre, and we mm. should do, really, because, you know, he's... Oh, and just as I say that, he makes a mistake going into the hairpin. I mean, done a little bit of uh, darkness driving recently. I was at the Shift 2 Unleashed launch at Silverstone, and we were let out on the store circuit in the Aston Martin GTs and it's amazing I've driven rally cars in the dark obviously but you have lots of additional lights and somebody to tell you where you're going but in a racing car it's a very alien experience if you've never done it before driving in the dark and, and what you tend to do is overheat the brakes because you're braking slightly too late and you're trying to react to the corner because you feel if you're braking too early you're losing time and it's, it's a real balancing act you, you know, you, you have to look at what you can see, but you don't want to overdrive what you can see. You know, it's a, it's a real skill, isn't it? It, it certainly is, and, and it's something that some drivers are much more comfortable with as, than others. There's plenty of top-line racing drivers who have not feel, feel, felt particularly comfortable driving at night. Mm. Plenty of them. And the store circuit I know very well, having done my race licence there many years ago. All right, it's changed a little bit. I've done lots of karting around there, but a single seat. I've done lots of car tests. Over this and GTR around there recently, and now the Aston Martin GT4. 
and you know the night driving experience I'm sort of driving up the start finish straight good I know there's a chicane here somewhere where's the board where's where's the visual clues yeah, I did some 24 hour races at Sneston way way back oh and the will no, no, yeah I've did that three times it's nothing like the, the pace of these cars but it's certainly very interesting and there's some drivers in that race that one would expect it to be super quick in the night that weren't including a, a wary one a rally driver at the time funnily enough <laughs> which surprised me but, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, I love to drive at night, and a lot of people, a lot of racing drivers do. You know, the engines breathe a little bit better. Uh, the tyres, you know, it's a little bit cooler, so it's a little bit not quite so hard on the tyres as well. And ultimately, in many races, in many circumstances, you can set the fastest times yes. at night. Well, we see that at the morning quite yeah, a lot, yeah. don't we? Just into the early part of the night when people are still feeling fresh, and maybe if they get a couple of laps out there when the the old drag races used to say when the air is fat. Yeah, and the absolutely. engines make the best power. And here is uh, Simon Paginot just coming round, and this is the guy that's trying to chase him down. This is Frank Montagne. Took a couple of seconds out of him last time yeah. around, Jeremy. He's so Frank is coming. He's doing that fairly regularly, Frank Montagne. He's certainly consistently quicker than Simon Paginot. And we're hearing that on the radio, the 56 BMW motorsport car is got a problem perhaps with the right rear tyre this is the leader in GT that would be completely bizarre and terribly bad luck if the two BMWs within three laps of each other both succumbed to tyre problems obviously one was contact but there's clearly a lot of debris out there on the circuit now and the other thing of course you can't see at night is you know having to go a little bit offline you can't see what you're driving over yeah, that, that, that is true. And, you know, we, we had a lot of caution periods during the early part of the race and, and uh, the uh, safety trucks were sent out there and the, and the track blower as well to clean off the track. Well, the last caution period we had was at, at 6 o'clock or a little bit afterwards. So it's been, you know, two and a half hours since we've had a full-course caution. Yeah, we've pretty much had an American Le Mans series race That's right. going fully green, yeah. Indeed. So the track, you know, there's a lot more debris and rubber rubber marbles out there on the track than they have been at any stage previously in this race there's also you know the, the other thing about the night time is Mueller pitting oh this is the gt leader in the pits then let's find out if this is a problem with the time is that about on time i i've kind of lost track just a little bit but i think this might be off kilter for this car, he's complaining that the pressure gauge is giving him a reading to look at it, and Kelly Stavist is down there. And while they're in here checking out that problem, they will make the driver change. So Joey Hand now uh, getting behind the wheel of the 56. You have to imagine that he will finish this out for BMW. And as they continue fueling, then they're going to hit those tires. Make sure they've got four fresh good ones on there. Right now, everything uh, looks smooth. But you've got to wonder what the what was causing the problem. Go, 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 go. No, it's not a disaster. Oh no, not a disaster at all. Uh, Brian Tillow, ABC commentary colleague, pointing out they had to make two yes. stops anyway. So as we're on the O3 Corvette at the moment, so uh, you know, it, all it does is it it changes when they have the option to do their last last stop and give them a slightly wider window yeah th yeah they should be fine they'll be able to get to the end of the race from here uh, i think on one stop so they should be fine definitely of course if there are any other four course cautions that could mess up the strategy a little bit but other than that they're looking fairly good see all that ages isn't it you 
you count backwards from the race and get your pit stops in as soon yes. as possible and then you're not at the behest and the will and the whim of a full course caution because you don't want to have to do uh, your pit stop and lose your track position if your rivals on the same lap have already done theirs and then they get the advantage of the uh, full course caution front brakes going on Carlo zero three, and I think that is going to put Olivia Bretta into the lead of this race he was uh, about 45 seconds behind actually it was more than that because the, the BMW came into the pits he'd been over 50 seconds behind before that pit stop but this is going to enable Bretta certainly to lead the race for now but they've got a little bit of a deficit to make up uh, depending on when their pit stops are and I think uh, uh, you know, as it stands right now it's going to be tough for Corvette to make up that ground and come away with a victory here but they certainly haven't given up and Olivia Beretta I think at the next pit stop he will hand over that car to um to I think it's probably Antonio Garcia will get in that car next okay goes down to 17 well still scored a second place thanks to the two green lights on the he car, but as he comes past, through yeah. this, oh, he's pitting. Oh, right, he's pitting as well. Now, I think he'll just flash very quickly to the top of the timing and scoring here, and he will actually be shown as leading the lap if he crosses the line, of course, depending on how far he's got to go down. Pierre Kaffer will be the next GT car around, or has Joey Han come through? There's Beretta, and he is scored in the lead. There's Joey Han going through, and Joey Han gets it back. So, no real harm in terms of the track position for Joey Hunt he's gone through and retaken the lead and former BMW driver Tommy Milner will take over from Olivia Beretta Jamie it's a standard stop right now for the Corvette racing guys doing the fuel right now driver change with Tommy Milner getting behind the wheel they've done something different on the pit stop this new car they have a light system there are four lights on all four quarters of the car so that as soon as the fuel tank is fuel is full the crew guys know that that stop, that part of the stop is done, and they can go ahead and start. What that does, it takes all of the go 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 go. And as quickly as possible. That was a very fast pit stop for Corvette Racing. Yeah, they're slick. Yeah, the, the, yeah nothing is left to chance. I mean, they think about everything, don't they? They are absolutely perfectionists. Yeah, perfectionists there at Pratt uh, Miller and GM Corvette Racing, and you know, they put so much thought into every single aspect of their racing car, their team, their strategy, the way they lay out the pits, absolutely everything. They've got a gym at Pratt & Miller where the pit guys work out. They've got a pit wall so that they can practice the over-the-wall stops. And, you know, they leave up. Now, that oh, car's not up to speed there, Jeremy, as it's coming out, and there's uh, lights flashing on it. From the other Corvette. Well, that's the two Corvettes together. But see the red, can you see the red lights flashing? Probably a battle for position, actually. Those are the lights that Jamie were talking to about, so that you can spot them in the in the pit lane. That car's not up to speed. Now, is that just cooler tyres? It's Tommy Milner getting up to speed. He doesn't just come out of the pit, so it's going to take him a lap or two to get fully up to speed. Of course, the last thing he wants to make him to do is make a mistake when he's running right the right in front of his teammate. Yeah, that's called doing a larmy. Yes, so I reckon now that when we come round, Joey Hunt, who crosses the line now, out of our sight, is leading GT again as the leader, overall leader, Nicolas Lapierre, is in the pit lane, down in the pits.
So the fuel going in. The Michelin tyres are laid out. There's been a driver change. You can see the crewman sitting on the door. And up goes the car on its internal jacks. Peugeot do, or Orica do, rear right front left and then swap them around. Remember only two guns allowed and four people over the wall to do the tyre change. So step back, pull out the hose from the rear of the car and we are gone. Hmm. Now that's interesting. We've got an hour and 45 minutes to go. It's going to be very marginal as to whether they can get to the end of the race with just one more pit stop. And Simon Paginot only just went through as the Peugeot was trundling down pit lane. There's a Ferrari in the pit lane with lights off. I'm assuming that that's the Risi car, the 062, and that cannot be good. And Jamie Mello, I think he's getting out, and this is not good news. Jamie Howe is down there. It certainly is, and if it seems like Risi Competizione was just on pit road, it was not that long ago. They were within the fuel window, but... Jamie Melo, we heard Dave Sims say earlier, he's having trouble with his back. He had to get out of the car. They did put some fuel in the car. They got the headlights cleaned off, cleaned off the windshield. Headlights, headlights. It's back in. The team is not happy. They slammed the door on the car, but nonetheless, they are back out and underway. No headlights. He's going to be stopped at the end of pit lane for no headlights, and he doesn't know why. Somebody needs to talk to him on the radio. Remember, the headlight switch on the center console. See, it's a new car. He doesn't know where the headlight switch is. There he goes. Didn't read the manual. Oh, he's done a development on that car, hasn't he? So I'm surprised if he wouldn't know where the switch was. Mika Solo has not had a whole lot of time behind the wheel of the 458. Oh, he didn't do any of the testing with the new car over in Italy. Jamie Malo did the bulk of the testing. And even when Mika got here earlier this week, they had to explain to him that the shift, le the shift lever wasn't broken. This car is so much more advanced than the 430. It is a sequential gearbox, and it is a lot more sensitive. Mika thought something was wrong with the gearbox. The team said, no, this one is sensitive. Just stop resting your hand on it. So Mika getting up to speed still with this 458. Jamie Malo sitting on the wall. His back is hurting him, guys. It doesn't look like he's going to be back in this race. I've seen people with back trouble. I've had back trouble from sporting injuries, albeit some time ago now. Not exactly the most svelte. But that is the face of a person who is in absolute agony. He doesn't know whether to stand up, sit down, lie down, or be hung up by his ankles at the moment. You can see that in his face. That was a pained expression and a pained posture from uh, Jamie Mello there. And while we saw that drama unfolding, we had the, uh, the LMPC class leader, Dane Cameron, come in and make a routine pit stop for Genoa Racing. Simon Pagino then leading the race by 18 and a half seconds from this car, Nicolas Lapierre. Well, I was wrong. They didn't change drivers. They must have just been giving him another drinks bottle. Mm. I saw the crew member on the side and mistakenly thought he was helping another driver in. Yeah, Nic Nicholas uh, just got in at the previous stop, so... 25 laps to win. I, I, I would expect uh, Pagano to be into the pit lane in another lap or two. Now, this is Tom Christensen having a look down the inside of Lapierre. Oh, wow. Tom. No, 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 no. That is avoidable contact. Hmm. Yeah, that was definitely a bit naughty. No need for that. Very surprised at Christensen there. Yeah. I mean, he, clearly that was in the early running when Lapierre had come out of the pits and the car perhaps a little cold on the tyres and 
Tom looking to be uh, looking to get through. So we've got Simon Pagenaud leading from Nicola Lapierre who's been delayed. Simon Pagenaud actually might uh, be thanking uh, Tom Christensen for slowing him down. Now, this is the first round of the American Le Mans series. We're off to Long Beach and you can follow us there in April on ESPN2 and ESPN3.com. Live co coverage of qualifying on Friday afternoon, April the 15th on ESPN3.com. Live streaming race coverage on Saturday, April the 16th. And then you can check out the race on ESPN2 on Sunday, April the 17th from 5 till 7 p.m. Eastern. The American Le Mans series all season long on ESPN. The 0-1 of Simon Paginot is in the pits and Kelly's down there. And as we go through these pit cycles, the Owen comes in with the overall lead. Simon Paginot will finish off with the driving duties here. And they don't know if they're going to have one or two more pit stops for fuel. Obviously, it depends on how many cautions we have in this last hour and 40 minutes remaining in the race. But you see right now, giving them that full load of fuel. Should be a relatively quick stop, and Simon Pagenaud will be back on the way. Thank you very much, Kelly. Yeah, the strategy is very, very interesting. These last couple of stints, Highcroft Racing has got an extra lap or two out of their tank wow. of fuel than has the, the uh, 1-0 car. So this is going to be absolutely fascinating. I said a few minutes ago, I thought it was touch and go as to whether the Orica Matmut car can get to the end of the race on just one more pit stop. I think, however, that the Highcroft Racing car can only just, but I think it can, and I believe that's what that team has been working on for about at least the last hour and a half or so. They've been uh, not turning quite as quick a laps as they were earlier on. I think Simon has been trying to save some fuel, get that extra lap or two in, and that might just be enough to get him to the end of the race. And the way things are panning out, you know, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that, uh, I don't want to say it, but no, you know. no, 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 I like Duncan It's Jim. fabulous stuff. All of those drivers are good friends of ours. We don't want to curse anybody at this stage of the game. Um, yourself. Let's go and ask uh, Duncan Dayton, who's the man behind Highcroft Racing, and no mean race car driver himself, both in historic and contemporary machinery. Kelly Stavist is going to be the person who bravely sticks the microphone under his nose and asks him for his tactics. A driver a lot of the time today, he's team principal, seems to have a smile on his face. Duncan, can you make it on just one more pit stop? We're thinking so. It's, uh, it's tight, but uh, he's doing a great job of going fast and saving some fuel, so that's what we're going to gamble on. Your level of confidence in that? I'd say it's, uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> if anybody can do it, he can. All right. Thanks, Duncan. That no. sounds like he's going to leave Pagano in till the end. Then. Yeah, no question. Uh, and you know, the, the, that car went 50 minutes since its previous pit stop. We've got one hour and 40 minutes to go in this race, which is two 50-minute stints. It's close. And indeed, Ching, I, I think, it. is the answer to that. What a story that would be. So Nicola Lapierre leads, but needs, we think, two more pit stops. Simon Pagano in second, perhaps can go with just one. It's the Mobile One 12 hours of Sebring, presented by Fresh from Florida. Updates are brought to you by Autolog, the revolutionary feature of Shift 2 Unleashed that keeps you in the action even if you're away from the race. So with one hour, 35 minutes to run, we have Nicola Lapierre leading from Simon Pagano and Frank Montani, but it's anyone's race here with strategy yet to play out. 
Tom Christensen is running for fourth, Tim Bernard for fifth, Guy Smith looks like he'll be in sixth, and Nicola Prost in seventh. In GT, it's much closer. Joey Han, Tony Milner, Oliver Gavin, Dirk Vernon, that's both the BMWs and both the Corvettes, all have a chance. And in the, the GT amateur cast, it looks now like Nicholas Johnson has finally broken the challenge of the other team, including Christian Reed. In LMP2, it's uh, Ryan hunter Ray. In uh, LMPC, it's Dane Cameron. And in GTC, it's Sebastian Beekemanen. With as I said before, there's only a one hour and a half to go. Staying up to date with the action is easy. With Autolog from Shift 2 Unleashed, you know exactly what your friends are doing. All their lap times, all their races, all their mistakes. Autolog, exclusive to Shift 2 Unleashed. Shodak and the rest of their team, they'll be thinking, oh, mon dieu, or words to that effect. Because yeah. I think they've got two stops. Um, Jamie Howe has very bravely gone down there and asked the question, and there's been a bit of a Gallic shrug. Uh, from the team so Lapierre let's watch his lap times in the next few laps I think they're going to make a driver change as well in that car but if that's the case they've got to do tyres really as well to give themselves a chance yeah he could probably get to the end of the race I mean those two got into the car about the same time Simon Pagano and Nicola Lapierre got in Simon got in actually two laps after Nicola Lapierre so very similar amounts of time there I don't think that's going to be the issue but I think what is the, the factor is that the, uh, look at the, the time between the two pit stops for the number 10 car was 43, 48 minutes between its two pit stops. So it's not getting quite as much fuel coming. And it came in before. I, I don't think it can make it. It's going to have to start saving quite a bit of fuel. Uh, and that's going to be really touch to go. Frank Montagny, on the other hand, he's got to make one more stop relatively soon. When did he come in last? Lap two. 66, 15 laps, 10 laps or so. I, I can't figure out yet. Uh, it's so exciting as to whether or not he's got to make one stop. He's only going to make one stop, uh, and I think he's probably going to make a splash as well. The voice of Jeremy Shaw there, working backwards in base 60 maths and doing the lap count as well. Jamie Howe has been down at Oregon. Any joy, Jamie? Oh, a lot of a lot of working folks down here at Orca right now. They're running through all of their calculations. They think that they are going to have to do one more full service stop and then perhaps another splash there at the end. But they are they are thinking they're going to leave Nicolas Lapierre behind the wheel of the car. He did most of the night running in this car during night practice. Okay. So they're going to try and leave him in. Right now he's feeling up to it, but there's still a lot of time left this race, so we're not sure what could happen. Cutie Shonak in the middle of our picture there. I've just taken his spectacles off. With a little shake of the head there. I think this is going to be very tight. I think they're going to struggle for sure. The question is whether Frank Montagny can make it. He's got about another 10 laps to do on this stint. So that's sort of 20 minutes. We should leave uh, an hour and 15 to go. Yeah, I don't think they can get to the end of the, of the race either. So, um, yeah, it, Peugeot might be struggling here a little bit. Fascinating stuff. This is what endurance racing is all about, though, isn't it? Great stuff. Drama from start to finish. Okay, so now we're talking the tactical stuff. Now we're talking strategy. Now we're talking fuel and, and saving fuel. Earlier on, we had the door-banging, wheel-slamming, cars <laughs> going off all over the place, neck-and-neck neck racing. And, you know, a, a mixture of all of that is what makes sports car racing so good. And we've been racing for ten and a half hours, and we're still working out who's got the right pit stops to make to make this go all the way till the end. And I'm absolutely loving it. And if this 
is what the rest of the season has got in store in the American Le Mans series and the ILMC, then frankly, can we start it next week? <laughs> and Simon Pagler last time I did a 151.9, which is a pretty quick lap at this stage and it proceeds about almost exactly the same lap time as our race leader Nicola Lapierre. Now that is the number eight Peugeot, and what is that car ahead of him? Because that, I think, is the 01 car. Is that Montani right up behind Simon Pagano? Yep, I think that is. Look at the lights on the side of the car. Is it two red lights and then three red lights? Yep, it is. Whoa, and look at that. Yeah. Very, very close indeed. I just saw, actually, believe it or not, it was the 9999 that I spotted on the back of the uh, legality panels that gave it away for me just there. And yep. Pagano is defending into turn 17. It's a little Good bit of straight just line speed. Good straight line speed. By the high cross, Nick Worth will be noting that down, making some calculations to go back into CFT. Last time around, though, uh, Montani pulled about a second and a half closer to Simon Pagano. This time around, about the same. So Pagano, uh, so Montani is certainly quicker, but I still think he's got an extra stop to have to make. Uh, I'm going to worry some people here. I think the smoke coming from the back of the 01 car. Just once in a while, on the overrun, when the car is off the throttle. Now, that may be because they're... You'd think if, if you were leaning it off, you would get less coming out of the back rather more. But maybe it's a function of what they're doing with the, the map on the engine. He's doing a fine job of keeping that Peugeot behind me. Could just be debris and dust from the circuit. Yes, there's yeah, a little there's bit there of that. coming up as well. But let's watch again, particularly down the Ullman straight from the 01 car. Simon Pagano, second position, despite the fact that on the left-hand side here, he's only showing uh, one marker light. On the other side, there are two, I promise you. There you go, you can see it from the Porsche aerial camera. Three lights, bright red on the side of Frank Montani. Sky looks down the inside. Oh, what an opportunist manoeuvre right. by Frank Montani. That was brilliant stuff. The NGT GTC car just providing a little bit of an opportunity there for Frank Montani. And Simon Pagano now have got, has got to play this cleverly, hasn't he? He can't push too hard. I'm sure he wants to have a go back at Montani, but he's in fuel-saving mode. He wants to get to the end of the Sebring 12 hours here in 2011 on one more stop. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, he can do that. And, uh, and, and Frank Montani, he's got another pit stop coming up in about less than 20 minutes' time. Uh, and I don't think that is going to be enough to get him to the end of this race. So he's going to have to make another splash after that. And that is going to be the, uh, the, killer, yeah, the killer blow for Peugeot. So uh, if uh, yeah, the, last thing, the, the last thing Highcroft Racing needs right now is a full course caution. Yeah, and they need it to go pretty much green at the end no of the question. race. Yeah. If it goes full green to the end, they've really got a chance to pull off what will be a stunning upset. Lapierre still doing 52 sevens. He's pushing on. That suggests to me oh. that, that he's, he's got on to try and get as much of a gap as possible to give himself any chance. Can well, I just mention well, something here as well? Tom Christensen and Timo Bernhard in uh, fourth and fifth position. How Audi must be cursing their look, particularly with the uh, Tom Christensen car when Dindor was aboard, because they have held their ground all yes. the way through. And with a bit of a fair win, they would have been right in the mix. We would have had five cars potentially battling 
for the win in this race. Yeah, they, we know, have been absolutely flat out since they had the problem. They've been driving as fast as they possibly can, and they have been quicker than the Peugeots. How, how, you know, how hard have the Peugeots been pushing? We don't really know, but there's no doubt about it. There wasn't, hasn't been a great deal to choose between either Audi and per, or Peugeot. Now, Pagino, but Lap- on board with him. Yeah, the Lapierre, in, that is in a very interesting situation because he's got a, still a pretty handy lead over Montani and Pagino, but he's got to be, he, he, there is a, an outside chance he can stretch that fuel to the end of the race, and certainly if there is a full course caution, that will definitely play into his favour because he for sure can get to the end, therefore, without making more than that one more pit stop. But, uh, you know, if he can stretch it out, I think he's probably left it a little bit too late to start stretching out the fuel, but it's it's conceivable. Now, in and when I say that, it's conceivable that the 10 car can get to the finish on one more pit stop. I think it's unlikely, but it is conceivable. It's a question, though. If you're Hugh Deschardin, do you roll well, the dice? You know, this is, a, like I said before, with the Peugeot's, uh, the Peugeot in second position as it is in the moment, the two Audis in fourth and fifth, Conceivably, and you know he's a he's a Peugeot customer team. He's running that car on behalf of Peugeot Sport. Yes, he's got his own sponsors. You know, if the if Peugeot needed the victory to win the championship, you might expect them to pull over. But this is the first round of the series, and this is his opportunity to win a very very big and very very important motor race. Sebring 12 hours in itself is a great prize, but also the ILMC to go to Spa, leading the ILMC with the new Audi, the new Aston Martin coming on board. That would be a massive feather in one Dushunak chapeau. <laughs> it certainly would, and you know he's uh, he'll be there'll be a lot of chattering going on amongst the engineers in that team and with who's I'm sure because you know they've got a difficult decision to make. Do they do they think? They can try and save enough fuel to get by with just one more pit stop, or do they have just to go for it and resign themselves to the fact that they're not going to make it? You know, if there's a caution, then they should be okay. But uh, if there isn't, tricky decision. Soyella Yari is circulating again in the Nissan Signatec car. He's uh, down to second position, of course, and he's in danger. Uh, of being passed by Patrice Lafarge in the 35 P2 car, the leader in P2, well ahead now, Ryan hunter Ray. Well, we've been speculating. We're good at that, Jeremy and I. Let's go to le, the bouche de la horse, uh, which, cheval, which would be Hugh de Shornak. Let's get down to the pit lane. Hugh de Shornak, you're the founder, you're the CEO of Orica. This is a huge race for you guys in the ILMC Championship. Sebring itself, a huge victory. What chances do you take and can you make it to the end? I think, uh, as you say, it's a very tough race, very difficult. And I think the strategy during this race with the pit stop, with the uh, safety car was really the key point during this uh, this race. Now we have one hour 30. The main problem or the main uh, recommendation that I give to the driver is no mistake. Any mistake is forbidden. The team has to do the pit stop without pressure. The driver has to do the laps without pressure, not taking any risk. We have a real chance now to finish this race, but we have to be patient because it's uh, again one hour, 30 minutes, and it's very long. I think it's a real opportunity for us and uh, it's a 
a great race, uh, one of the uh, historical races, and uh, for us, for the team, it's uh, very important to be able to show till the end and not till now, but till the till the the, the flag that we are able to have this uh, position. It's and it's mainly because you did the perfect job of the driver, perfect job of the of the team. Will you need to have a splash at the end of the race, or will you be able to make it on one more stop? Now we will do one more stop, and whichever, just to be safe completely. All right, it's going to come down to the wire here at the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring. There was a wry smile at the end of that from Huda Shodak. He's a top guy. Been around the sport forever. They've had class wins all over the place. Auric uh, is a has been a big name in GT racing. Class wins at Le Mans. Class wins in the American Le Mans series. Championship wins. But this this would be the big cheese, the grand fromage for that team. Yeah, and the U's go, you know, as you say, it's been around the sport a long, long time, back to Formula 3 and Formula Renault, yep. way, way, way back, back in the 70s and 80s, I knew him, when he ran people like Alain Prost and all the, all the top French drivers in the 70s and 80s came through Ouzdeau-Jonet's uh, school, if you like, mm. uh, and uh, you know, like he knows an awful lot. Like, yeah, absolutely stage, fabulous, and he's done so much for the sport in France. And it would be it would be wonderful to see him, you know, really get some success here at the very top level in sports car racing as well. I suspect there'll be a lot of people with split loyalties around mm. about now who are looking at the last hour and a half, less than that, last hour and 24 minutes, Jeremy, here on ESPN3.com uh, and around the world on AmericanLeMond.com that sort of looking at that and saying, well, okay, Simon Paginot, the Highcroft team, and Duncan Dayton, particularly for our American listeners and viewers, those are the defending champion team. We know that they are not yet committed to a full season. They want to get a Le Mans. A win here would be fantastic for them to put in front of sponsors and potential sponsors. You've got the brand new Peugeot, the first of the new LMP1 cars. And you know, in fairness, Peugeot have taken a chance bringing that here. They could have gone with the tried and tested car as Audi have done. And also that would have meant the car wouldn't have been up for performance balancing before Le Mans as well. And then you've got the Hugh de Shornak story with the Orica team, as you've just mentioned, you know, he's been part of the sport for so long and so many people will have great memories and have their favourite Orica stories, whether it's in GT prototype or even June through the junior formula in the single-seater classes. Yeah, Martini Automobiles as, it, as he was back way back then. Oh, you've got a memory. Oh, no, I was there, unfortunately. <laughs> covering F3 races at the time. And here we are on board again with Simon Pagino. He's only lost about six seconds to Frank Montagny since that pass was made, what, four laps ago. So, you know, a second or so a lap, that's neither here nor there, really, at this stage in the race, given the fact that uh, we believe the Peugeot is going to have to make one more pit stop than will the HPD car. And given what you were saying about Hugh de Schoenach and his... Uh conveyor belt of talent if not the Jackie Stewart staircase of talent from France how appropriate then that we have three Frenchmen battling for the lead and the potentially the win of the race Nicolas Lapierre Frank Montagny and Simon Pagino and you know and another one in fifth place in Romain Dumas yeah, and Nicolas Prost in seventh as well oh my goodness <laughs> all out of the track at the same time and if there was uh, if there was any uh, if you needed any persuading that the uh, 24 hours of Le Mans is a big thing in sports car racing and how it influences French drivers then look no further than the timing and scoring screen at www.americanlemans.com 
Tom Christensen, the interloper in the top four. He's got a bit of history in France as well. He's done all right at the 24-hour race as well, <laughs> yeah. hasn't he? I think he's won it once or twice, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he may have a future in this sports yeah. car race in Christensen. It's not the is fact it? that he's... You know, I keep saying this to people. Yeah, OK, he's won it eight times, which is a phenomenal amount of victories. But it's the, sh- relatively speaking, short amount of time that he, you know, that he beat Jackie Hicks's record in something like... I think it was less than half the amount of races that Jackie had done to win his different times, different eras, I know that, but eight races in the amount of time that he's won. I mean, being in the right place at the right time to win Le Mans and being in the right car to win Le Mans is a, is a skill in itself. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's breathtaking, the, the, uh, what he, the achievement he has, he has made. Look at that last lap by Frank Montagny, 150.554. That's... I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, haven't seen, seen every lap, for certainly, but I haven't seen a 50 for a while, quite frankly. Even from uh, from the great Dane Tom Christensen, who was, for a while, the quickest car on the track. Yeah, should say that... Roman uh, Dumas, I presume, just, must have just made a pit stop in car correct. number one. Yes, he has. Well spotted. Uh, GT is beginning to warm it out a little bit uh, after the superb racing of early on. BMW of Joey Hand, the 56 BMW, well, it still leads, but now has a lapse grace between itself and the O3 Corvette of Tommy Milner pit stop still to come in to play for those cars as well of course before the end of the race Dirk Werner with terribly bad luck in the 55 car is in third place and again he's not out of it at the moment he's uh, a lap further back it's 58 seconds between Joey Hand and Tommy Milner and Dirk Werner a little further back Mark uh, Ollie Gavin rather in fourth place in the 04 Chevy Corvette with Jimmy Bruni in fifth. Those guys on the same lap and have 23 seconds between them in fourth and fifth in GT. In GTC, Sebastian Blakemoland's been in the 054 Black Swan car for quite some time and still leads and has the better part of a lap the last time I looked on Spencer Pompelli in the 066 GTC car. Just going to get another look at the Tom Christensen incident. With the Frank Montani is in the pit Montani lane. in the pit lane. Now, that with an hour and ten minutes left, it's actually a lap earlier than I expected. Mm. I, I expected him to go lap two ninety one. He came in on lap two ninety, so uh, he for sure is going to need a splash uh, of fuel again to get to the end of this race mm. after making this pit stop. A bit more than a splash, actually. Well, an yeah. hour and te- an hour. And 19 minutes. Yeah, I thought that was an half, hour and half ten. Half a tank of fuel he needs. Yeah, exactly. Tank. Half a tank of fuel. Misread the clock there. So presumably Montani will stay in the car. He'd gone 24 laps on the previous stint. Only the 25 laps on the previous stint. Only 24 laps this time around. Well, he has been pushing, and he did that 150 the lap prior to coming in when the fuel load was uh, bleeding off the car. Simon Paginot continues to lap consistently in the mid-52s. He is on a target, isn't he? There's no doubt about that. He's in clear out at the moment. 51-5 for Nicolas Lapierre at the head of the field. And the I'm, guessing two. Was, I'm guessing that was uh, fuel only yeah. for uh, Frank Montani in car number eight. That will move him down to third place behind Simon Paginot. Dindo Capello is climbing into the number two Audi taking the place of Tom Christensen he'll take that fourth place Audi R15 
TDI into the finish this evening. Fourth place, as I say, at the moment. Roman Dumas and the sister car will be due in shortly as well. They've tended to be a couple of laps apart as they're putting a new driver in down there at Audi Sport. They'll give it a new set of Michelins as well and send Dindo on his way. Guy Smith in sixth position, the O16 Dyson. Uh, some 30 seconds behind Romain Dumas. And uh, four laps ahead of Nicolas Prost in the Rebellion Toyota. So Pagano just went across the line. He's going, where is he now? Turn three, I guess, isn't he? Uh, turn, uh, and the gap, the deficit to Nicolas Lapierre in the race leading car number 10, 54 seconds. So he's pulled back a little bit of that, that, that deficit. And we'll have to wait and see when Nicolas Lapierre comes in for his next pit stop. It's going to be close, you know, Jeremy. Yep. Because if they can get a bit, if they can get a bit of a wiggle on, and get out a little bit more of time, okay, it'll come down to the pace. But you, you might as well send him. Hugh was. It was interesting what Hugh said. Hugh's a man who picks his words. Oh, sure yes. He picks his work, words carefully, and he's. He, although English is not his first language. He knows what he's talking about. Just getting another look at the Christensen on the Audi incident. That was the 10 car of Nicolas Lapierre, wasn't it? That he attacked rather boldly into turn number three. It's right as Nicola came out of the pits too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and you can see from the onboard from Tom that clearly Tom thought he had an opportunity and was nowhere near getting by. I still think he was lucky to get away with that one. That's twice today. Christensen's gone side by side with somebody and either pushed them off the track or caused them to slide. And I think, frankly, on cumulative effect, if he'd been a soccer player, he'd have got a yellow card there. And I think he's lucky not to have had more. But then again, I don't have to make the decisions. He didn't do a Capello now at the wheel of that car in fourth position. Uh, LMPC, it's still Dane Cameron, got a, a lead of a, a little bit over a lap now over Ryan DL. Ryan DL is turning some very quick laps in the 005 Core Autosport car, but he's uh, last up run was a 158.4, which is pretty good going at this stage in the proceedings, but he's got his work cut out of him if he's going to catch Dane Cameron in that 036 car. Just looking for battles away from the head of the field. It was about a minute and 20 seconds between Blakemore and, and Spencer Pumpelli in GTC. In GT, Joey Hand with uh, a good minute on Tommy Quite. Milner in saying oh, just under a minute, was it? Yeah, I think it was somewhere about 50 seconds or so. We haven't for a little while, I must admit. And uh, Tommy Milner's got uh, 17 seconds in hand over Dirk Werner in third position. And more side-by-side -side action from earlier on. This was the incident that damaged the left rear wheel of the uh, BMW, the 55 car of Dirk Werner. And eventually... Probably, probably going to cost them any chance, I think, of winning this race. Yeah, but not out of a, maybe even a second place. As we mentioned before, they had two stops to do at that time and, and taking the first one when they did didn't tremendously disadvantage them on Agreed. board with the all three of Tommy Milner and Corvette I've got to say the vision from the Corvette on our onboard cameras has been uh, considerably worse on the Corvette than any other car that we've seen 
whether that's the headlights being slightly more yellow, whether it's the shape of the car, whether it's the fact the cameras got dirtier, I'm not sure. But I'm not sure how Tommy Milner can see anything to drive that car if that's the view he's got. Yeah, I hope he's got a better view than that. That is for certain. It's like t- t- driving down the street with a candle in front of you. That is useful. Sebring at night with cars in three directions from the Porsche aerial cam. John Hindorf and uh, Jeremy Shaw with the last hour and a quarter. Don't forget Long Beach in April on ESPN2 and ESPN3.com. April the 15th, Friday afternoon, live qualifying on ESPN3.com. And we'll be streaming the race on Saturday, April the 16th. And then on ESPN2 on Sunday, April the 17th from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Follow the American Le Mans series on ESPN and ESPN3.com. Pagino is absolutely on time. 52-4, yeah. 52-5, 52-6. Ah, oh, that's a shame. That's Ooh, Colin Brown. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Who's off the side of the circuit he was uh, just inside the top 10 in GT and that's on the run down to oh, no. just under the Budweiser Bridge on the run down to Chateau Alain in turn 7 Colin is out of the car and over the wall tell, we're wish, being told I wish he'd parked it a bit closer to the fence than that I hope that's not going to bring out a full course caution it's going to it's uh, not going to be good news for the racer particularly for HPD and high prof racing I'm not quite sure why you'd, why you'd leave the car there why not park it against the fence? I'm presuming that it was dead stick. Oh, yeah. I suppose he could have still trundled, couldn't he? Now, where were they running? They, they, they were just inside the top ten in GT, and they're just dropping out of the top ten in GT now. It's the 004 Robertson Racing Car. Not yeah, a bad run for that car, well, to no, be honest. And they've got both cars in the top ten yes. in GT. That's hats off to uh, Robertson Racing and Dick Barber, of course, helping out there. He's got a massive amount of experience, including wins here at Sebring. Uh, so, you know, there's, again, there's a wealth of experience there, isn't there, in that camp. And to get those two cars, it's a privateer effort. And they're doing a... They're working so hard. They, they're just doing everything they possibly can to increase, the, increase their, their value, their worth, and, and just, you're getting better and better with every season. Had a good long chat with David Robertson in, at, at uh, the Motorsport on Main event before Petit Le Mans last year and asked him why he picked to do the, the, the GT category the way he did. He could have gone and bought a Ferrari, could have gone and bought a Porsche. He said, yeah, if I'd done that, I'd have just been like any other privateer. Yeah. And I'd been well down the pecking order. So the only chance I've got to pull off a really bizarre result and have my moment in the sun is if I do something different and do it on my own. And then at least I'm the master of my own destiny took the Doran Fords and frankly they might as well call them Robertson Fords now because he's pretty much re-engineered and redesigned the whole car now built two of them they're both able to run on E85 which the original car was only running on E10 you mentioned they've changed the tyre suppliers uh, for this season as well and you know pulled off that amazing pole position in Petit a couple of years ago when David Murray pulled a lap out of the bag from nowhere albeit in slightly interesting conditions Still had to be there and was there on Murat on speed. No question about it. And you know, this year adding a second car on a regular basis. We ran two cars last year at Petit Le Mans, but this year adding that second car uh, for a full season of competition, I think, is a plan with professional drivers. Mm. Uh, and you know, that's uh, that's a major commitment. Now there's a car that is going to get pulled in by the 
officials because you can't see the door numbers and you can't see anything on the side of that that is supposed to be lit, lit. Simon Pagino still just hovering around the minute 55 seconds to a minute mark behind Nicola Lapierre he's doing a great job for Duncan Dayton for Highcroft for the Michelin Supersport pilot new tyres that they're advertising this weekend and don't forget as well they're one of the teams that have the Japan stickers on the car www.highcroftracing.com those people those of you that are watching uh, outside of the United States the Highcroft site among many that uh, tell you how you can donate highcroft.com forward slash slash help hyphen Japan there's our leader Nicola Lapierre 51.9 Last time around, he's, he is pushing. You can see by oh, yeah. the, the body language of the car that when he gets a, a clear lap, he's pushing. But the point I was going to make before about what Hugh Shonak said and chose his words carefully, albeit in a second language, was he said safety. He said be safe. He does not want Nicolas Lapierre to plant the car into the boonies. He wants everyone to chill out a little bit and just let the race come to them so that there's no pressure on the driver, no pressure on the pit crew. They have one, possibly one and a half pit stops still to come. I wonder if they'll go for tyres, Jeremy, as well. It's still going you know, to be close. I, I, I still don't think they can quite make it on, on one more pit stop. But um... <laughs> Are they going to have to leave the tyres on? Because, you know, well, that's the other He thing. said he's going to change drivers. Um, I think, you know, if they change the tyres... Well, if they change the drivers, you might as well change tyres. Right. Uh, right. Yeah? Well, because you, you'd want to put a new guy out on a fresh set of boots, not somebody else's worn ones. True. Plus, these, these, it's been a while since they changed... No, they changed tyres two stints ago, so this is a, a double stint they're running on this set of different tyres. Fresh set of tyres to no, go no, to wait a minute. No, they, I think, did they change tyres last time around? I think they did. At the last stop, I think they did. I've got a note they did. Maybe I made my note wrong. Well, Pagino certainly didn't. So I think Pagino at his last stop will put a fresh set of tyres on and be, and depending on what it is, he, they will know how hard he will be allowed to push. They may well, they may well triple stint the tyres at this time of the night if they do. That's yep. fantastic. Uh, let's go to LMP2. Ryan Hunter in the. Excuse me, that's the LMPC car. My apologies, that's Ryan DL. Right, Ryan, wrong car, my fault. Out, out in the darkness, my apologies. In second place in LMPC, he's second to Dan Cameron and just a lap off the lead. Yeah, there's, there's... That's not over yet, you know. No, there's one, two, three, four cars between them, but they're all the four leading cars... Well, no, four of the five leading cars in GT. So, uh, you know, there's, it's a lot closer than it looks on the timing and scoring charts. But Joey Hand now, he's, he's extended his lead over Tommy Milner to, I think, well over a minute now. And uh, number 56 car is well out in front in GT. Tommy Milner has about 26 seconds over Dirk Vernon's third place. And electrical problems have finally put paid to the brave efforts in GT of Risi Competizione. Jamie Mello dropping down the timing and scoring monitor now 22nd overall in the 062, 8th in class. Uh, 
haven't been out for a few laps and we're hearing uh, it's bigger in the car the haven't swapped over the driver uh, the driver tags either or the electrical problems have put that back so electrical problems putting paid to their effort on that weak old car meantime the other weak old car is just a minute and a half a second one minute point five eight two behind Nicola Lapierre and that is still the interest at the head of the field quite often we're looking around any kind of sporting event that goes on for 12 hours by the time you've only got an hour left to go you might well be looking around for some sort of interest but not here it's right at the head of the field and Nicola Lapierre continues to just churn out these laps 152.9 last time and he was passing cars doing that Simon Pagino 154.4 losing a little bit of time Montani's pushing as well 152.1 but surely Montani well we know Montani definitely has to make another stop there's no way that he could go an hour and 20 minutes no. in that new Peugeot Dindo Capello in fourth place still just six just on six laps behind the leaders and Andy again you know it's still, gonna be, it's still gonna be close for Nicola Lapierre he's got an, at least another three laps he can do on this on this uh, fuel stint maybe four uh, and uh, let's think he could stretch it to five more but you know, if he could that might be enough to get into the end it's still gonna be as I said you know what is it an hour and a half ago it is going to be close the, the thing about this and, and the Oregon situation is it's almost out of their hands isn't it because they've got to make the decision of which way they're gonna jump I think they're going for one more stop because he he's eased his pace just a tad I think they're going for one more stop if it doesn't work then they're gonna either run out of fuel or they will not have enough to increase their pace if Simon Paginot starts to pressurize them and this is going to be the key this last pit stop tires no tires and how much fuel actually physically goes into that car to get them to the end therefore how hard do you think that car can push it's gonna be absolutely yeah, and frantic they really need to stay out on track for about another 12 or 13 minutes before they make that final stop uh, and right tough. now it's like 2.99 now for that car so they've done 23 laps since the last pit stop they can do 25 or 26 generally uh, and because this is a long long such a long lap sometimes one steps it's 25 next one's 26 next one has to be 25 so it's uh, as i say it's going to be tight and as we saw with Timo Bernard, it's no use getting 25 and three quarters. Yeah, really. And just squeaking into the pit lane. Frank Montani's pushing on again, you know, in third position. He's got the gap between himself and Simon Pagino down to 40 seconds, 4-0 seconds between the eight. Peugeot in third position and the 0-1 of the Highcroft Racing Team in second place. Two other guys are flying and doing a fabulous job. Roman Dumas, yes. who's, who's catching Dinda Capello pretty quickly, is still quite a long way behind. And also Guy Smith, let's hand it to Guy Smith in the Dyson Racing number 016. He is now with, still within a minute of Roman Dumas uh, and turning... In a P2 car. In a P, effectively a P2 car, yeah. Running in the P1 class. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a good effort by Dyson Racing all around. And Guy Smith is turning some of his best laps in the race at 153.2 last time around for the Englishman.
actually bodes well for the rest of the Mike Le Mans series with uh, those guys being so competitive. Although clearly there's a lot of more performance to come from the 0-1. But we don't know if the 0-1 is going to be doing the rest of the series yet. That's right. Uh, and it's, it's certainly a shame also that the, uh, the muscle milk car, the lower Aston Martins, had a problem and uh, is long yeah. gone, isn't it? Yeah. Just a moment to mark quickest man on the track last time around, although Nicola Lapierre all of a sudden has dropped down into the 51s again after being in the high 52s, low 53s for a while. But traffic's going to do that. Don't read too much into that, dear viewer and listener. These onboard shots, I mean, you know, it's, it's mainly dark out there, but it's, I just love watching these onboard shots from the, particularly in the open cockpit car. You know, we see the dash there, and we see, and it's, it's such a great picture. Apologies to those of you who can't see the pictures, actually. Oh, well, you, yes. you are missing a, a treat. I know, I'm sorry if we've been waxing lyrical about this, but, you know, we commentate from the pictures that we get in the booth, have done, you know, for years here in the American Le Mans series, and we're just blown away by what we're seeing you will see highlights wherever you are in the world there'll be uh, highlights on uh, programs such as mobile one the grid uh, on uh, channel four in the uk on saturday morning at half past seven uh, also motorsport mundial around the world you know, if you're here in the states don't forget the uh, that the 12:30 show is on uh, espn on abc 12:30 eastern tomorrow and ah, if you're listening on RadioLamont.com, we I promise we will be going back to our more normal radio style of commentary for the next race. Although there will be full live coverage of that in Europe on uh, Motors TV uh, from Paul Ricard, the first round of the Le Mans series uh, coming up in a few weeks' time. Nicola Lapierre is taking no prisoners. He dived part down, down inside of a car, didn't he, into that final corner, coming onto the almost straight. He comes past one more time, so he's going to complete. 301 this time, so he has now done uh, 25 laps on this stint of fuel. We'll see if he comes in next time around. I think he's going to need a, a really small splash of fuel to get to the end of the race from there. If he could do one more lap after that, maybe there's a chance for him. 38 seconds between Montani and Pagano. Montani's really got the hurry up, and Jamie Howe in the pit lane is looking at the pit board, looking at the team. That's uh, Orica Matmut, and I think he's coming in this time around. End of this lap, it'll be the end of lap 302 for Nicola Lapierre into the pit lane. The key question, Jeremy. Oh, yep. yes, they're ready. They've got tyres ready as well. Now, they may wave the, wave the tyres off. The Michelin technician will have a look. And uh, there's going to be, well, there's going to be a driver change. I think what you said was right. They're going to have the driver change, and that'll mean a fresh set of boots, a fresh driver as well. It's a, it's a risk putting somebody in in full darkness if he's going to have to fight till the end, but it's likely to be fresher, fresher rubber. So, again, it's that compromise well, thing, yeah, isn't it? But coming in on this lap, uh, I don't see any way they can get to the end of the race from here without making a, a very short splash. It's only going to be for a lap or two of fuel, but if they come in this time around, I don't think there's any way. So, in that case, they've got to hope for a full course caution, in which case they have to get that car in the best, the fastest possible trim it can be. Yeah, I'd be going for the softest tyre I dare now yeah. to go at the end. You, you know you've only got 58 minutes of running to go as we head into the uh, final hour of racing here at the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring. Softest tyre that you dare, fresh driver, 
brim that tank full of diesel. In comes the leader, Nicolas Lapierre, for what Hugh de Chonac and all of France hopes will be the last pit stop. And Jamie Howe is down in the Orica Matmo pit, waiting, as are the rest of his team. Nicola Lapierre brings the car to a stop for Team Orca. The team gets to work cleaning off the windshield. Luke Duvall getting behind the wheel right now. They are going to put on a fresh set of Michelin tires. Now the team has done some very intense calculations. They know if this is a perfect stop that it's going to take them one minute and 15 seconds from the time they pull into the pits until they get back onto the racetrack. Right now it looks like the fuel is still going into this car. Luke Duvall still getting strapped in. Team is ready with the fresh set of Michelin tires. They want to make sure they get every ounce of it in there because they might need a splash at the end. It's going to be very close for this team. This will be a game changer. Luke Duvall freshly strapped in, ready to go as soon as these Michelins are on. He's down, off the jack. The car fired up straight away, and they are off. Terrific stop for Oregon Matwood. Yes, but 49 minutes between... The, the last two stops, 58 minutes to go in this motor race. Here's Pagano coming down. There he goes, past him in the pit lane. Pagano's gone through. Oh my goodness, mate. This is going to be so tight. Pagano has taken over the lead of the race. Yep. But of course, he's got a pit stop to go as well. Correct. And we expect that in probably three laps time. So six minutes or so. Again, it gets is awfully tight. Uh, <laughs> It's great. I love it. The strategy has really been panning out over the last, particularly in the last two or three hours. I mean, the engineers on teams, they've, they've been way ahead of that, of course, because they can see all the fuel burn numbers. They know exactly how much fuel is being used at whatever particular lap time they happen to be doing. But uh, here's the leader in GT, Joy Hand, and Rick De Bruyne is on GT down at BMW. Last time they came in, they came in a little bit early because they were concerned that they might have had a flat tire. That didn't prove to be the case, but as a result, it didn't hurt them because it didn't cause any problem with getting off cycle. Now the big job is just to do this as simply as possible to do it right. It's the last pit stop they'll hopefully have to make when they go to green. That's what they're hoping at this point in time. They got the fuel in, having a problem with the right rear tire, but they get it on. Now they go to the right front and the left rear. So far, everything's relatively smoothly. They just need to make sure they don't have any problem like they had in that first hour where they had a flat tire. They need to stay hey, bring it free home. to the end. Bring it home, babe. That's Scott Remke on the radio there. Bring it home, babe, he says to Joey Hand. Now he comes out into to merge at the outside of turn number one, looking in his left-hand door mirror to make sure there's no one likely to run into him. But he is down and through as the second of the BMWs goes through. Third position for Dirk Werder. Back to Rick. And once again, the same situation. Now they're taking tear-offs off the windshield. They're taking tear-offs off of the headlights. They want to make it so that everybody can see everything they have to be able to see. Remember, this particular car, third in GT right now, had some damage earlier in the day to the left front. Hasn't caused any serious problems, but as a result, they had to be a little bit more tender at one point in time. But the car overall has ran well with one particular problem that happened a little bit earlier. They just want to stay trouble-free to the end. The job now is not to get any trouble. Make sure the pitch stop goes smoothly, and then once they get back on the track, make sure they avoid all contact with any other cars out there. Yeah, watch your speed. Watch your speed limiter. Yeah, don't do that now. Don't blow the speed limiter now. That would not be uh, go down very well with Mr. Rehal. The... 
you know, the BMWs, other than the fact that they've been a magnet for other cars, hitting them and causing them problems, have actually, you know, whatever the result is, and it looks like they've got an opportunity for a first and a third here, two steps on the podium, but they've actually run pretty well. It's other people who've caused their problems. Indeed it is. A team that is, uh, has been pretty much perfect all the way through this race so far is uh, the 036 Genoa Racing. It's Dane Cameron who's done the lion's share of the driving on board that car. He's uh, a youngster but with uh, an enormous amount of ability. He's sharing it with Michael Guash and Jens Peterson. And, you know, he's the, he's the class driver in this car. And as long as the other two have done that minimum driving since, which is, what, uh, is it an hour or is it 90 minutes? can't remember now but uh, certainly Dane has done a lion's share of the work but the other two have, have, have done a nice job as well they haven't put a foot wrong and they've given the position given that car back to Dane Cameron to finish off this race well Tommy Milner for the moment has assumed the lead in GT yep and that is on board the O3 the slightly less than perfect view forward and Tommy Miller in the all three Chevy Corvette. Now, I think he might still also stop before the end of this race. He's got uh, something like 20 seconds on Joey Hand, and that will go. The advantage will be back to the BMW driver when Tommy has to bring that car in. I tell you what, though, it's a nice debut for Tommy Milner. Oh, yes. In the Corvette team. Spoke to him at the Rolex 24, first person I see when I walk in the Rolex 24 is an LMS driver and he was absolutely bouncing off the rev limit, they're so happy to be in the Corvette team he's a very very talented driver, lovely lad and uh, as Ollie Gavin comes in out of third position in the 0-4 Corvette, that's a good recovery drive from those guys after Jan Magnussen had that damage earlier on, that car I think that car went behind the wall actually at one stage certainly had a lot of time in the pit lane for the right rear damage uh, where it was hit by Pat Long. Just to finish the thought on Tommy Milner. Tommy Milner, of course, we, we talked about Lucas Ordonez uh, in the, uh, the Nissan from the, uh, the GT Academy virtual reality driving. Tommy Milner is an avid driver of uh, video games and BMW themselves have been uh, instrumental and indeed part of the uh, BMW team at the Dubai 24 was the Shift 2 Unleashed team where they were gathering data for that particular game and Joey Hand is, uh, is uh, sorry, Tommy Milner is one of the guys who was test driving the cars in virtual reality here's and stuff and here he is on pit roads Tommy Milner with his final stop this should be fairly standard Tommy Milner used to night driving but he will give up the lead back to Joey Hand when Joey comes around in fact I think he is has already gone through the question will be can the all three car get out in front of its teammate Jan Magnussen now at the wheel of the all four car after its stop I think there was a a lap in hand between go, Moses. Go, 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 Encouraged back into the race. Tommy Milner. 
heads back out in the 04 Chevy Corvette. Not been a clean race for very many people in GT. There is Joey Hand back in the lead of the race and will be scored as such next time around. If you're around the circuit, listen to us on the PA or on one of the scanner frequencies or in fact uh, on the AM transmission and you'll still see two lights on the side of that car until he crosses the timing beam next time around. Starting to get a bit dusty and a bit murky out there, it looks to me, Jeremy. It's not just my eyes, is it? A bit more rubbish being thrown up from the circuit, perhaps. And just a little bit seabring. You know, we've had everything today. Fog this morning in the warm-up, mm. and then the sunshine, the heat, then the sun going down, then the darkness, and now dustiness. Here comes Simon Pagenaud into the pit lane. This is the race right here. The 59th annual Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring comes down to this as Simon Pagenaud brings the 01 Championship defending ELMS car into the pit lane for what they hope will be the final time. Kelly Stavist. Simon Pagenaud comes to a stop and they'll begin fueling and you'll see that they've got some fresh Michelins waiting for him. So the 12 hours will come down to whose pit strategy will pay dividends. We heard Duncan Dayton say he thinks they only need one more stop. here in the pits. Simon Pagenaud's job now is to keep pace while saving fuel and hope that those Peugeots are going to have to make one more stop at least for a splash of fuel. So right now as they finish uh, fueling up this high cross Honda and then they'll get some fresh tires on it and Simon should be out if everything runs smoothly. And the, the, the previous stint for Simon Pagenaud was 50 minutes long. This stint was 51 minutes. We have 48 minutes to go in this race. So assuming they've got that car brim full, he should be good to go. Needs to put his headlights on, and he has done. It's still This race is still not over, I tell you. Uh, he's going to come out now with quite a deficit to the Peugeots, uh, or at least particularly the number 10 car. Uh, and so, you know, if, if Lloyd Javel can really turn it on here, then you know, this race is not over. It's not over yet. Even if the number 10 car has to make one more pit stop, which I'm pretty sure it will have to do, it won't be stationary for very long, and it's probably going to be one lap short of the finish, one or maybe two laps short of the finish. So this is nail-biting stuff in all the camps. Is Montani and the and the number eight works Persia? You think they're out of it because they they well, made their last stop with one hour and ten and. Uh, 20 minutes, one hour and 19 minutes to go, and clearly they have to make another stop, and, and I, I can't see Montani being able to make that back. No, I don't think I don't think they can, but it's not going to be a full stop, it's only going to be a half a stop for that car, for car number for car number 8. We're watching the uh, Lloyd Duval back into the lead in the Olga Matlud car. Um, as I say, I reckon he's going to be a lap or two short again into the end of this race, unless there is a full course caution. Frank Montagny, there he is second now, place coming now. past to uh, move up into second place, and he is the gap deficit between the two Peugeots, 24 seconds, a fraction under, uh, and he is certainly going to have to make another pit stop, but we'll see you know, what the deficit is now that Paginot will have uh, against Frank Montagny, so we're going to have to wait a little while before Frank Montagny, before Simon Paginot comes around, it's probably going to be 30 seconds or so, so, you know... <laughs> Might be less than that, actually. It, it, no, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. There's three cars still in contention to win this race. How long do you think he needs to get down pit lane 
put in a splash of fuel, yeah, should have done that homework. get out again. I, I think it's something around about a minute, maybe a little bit more. I don't think it's quite that long. But you lose a lot of time because the front straight is so quick. Oh, and we've got someone on the dirt at the moment. It looks like one of the challenge cars kicking up all kinds of tyre dirt. And as far as Duncan Dayton's concerned, he would have had his heart in his yeah. mouth there. But that is good news to see that car rejoin. It's got no lights on the number on the side, which is not making our life any easier. I have not a clue what that car is. It's one of the challenge cars. That's about all I can say. You know, having, having to take those tyres on that stop for Simon Paginot, this is not in a bag by any means. In fact, I think, I, I reckon Duval can still win this race. This is, this is great stuff. This is a fascinating cat and mouse game. It's all, this, all about strategy, who, when you have to change tyres and when you don't. I'm surprised they took tyres. Hey, I am, frankly, although the previous stop was, was uh, fuel only, so yeah. they've already double stinted that set of tyres. Maybe the hat loop. Yeah, quite. Oh, mistake by Pagano there. Missed his breaking point and therefore missed his turning point, but he didn't lock up the wheels. He's got that back under control nicely. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide when you've got these on boards. With Loic Duval leading Frank Montani. The two Peugeots, one and two. Montani definitely needs to give us another pit stop before the end of this race in 45 minutes' time in the number eight car. Loic Duval perhaps needs a splash of fuel. Simon Pagano in third position. Now he has been the man. He has been the mouse. Now he's the cat. He's got to chase and push hard in the 01 Highcroft car. This is a brand new car to them, and I'm not sure if they know it well enough to be able to push. Ryan Hunter Rear leads P2, Dan Cameron LMPC, and this is the Mobile One 12 hours of Sebring presented by Fresh from Florida. Updates are brought to you by Autolog, the revolutionary feature of Shift 2 Unleashed that keeps you in the action even if you're away from the race. 45 minutes to go on this update brought to you in association with Nissan who are supporting all our IOMC races here on Radio Le Mans. Well, it's going to be a nail-biter here, but it does seem like Loic Duval has the whip hand as he only needs to splash and dash. He has a 70-second lead over Simon Pagino, but Frank Montani could still come second. It'll all wash out in the next... 20 minutes or so. In GT, Joey Han now has a 50-second lead over Tommy Milner in the Corvette. So it looks like BMW could be winning there. In LMP2, Ryan hunter Ray has three, sorry, 12 laps on uh, Soy Ayari, so that's an easy win. Um, and in the GT amateur cast, it's Nicholas Johnson, who is miles ahead of Christian Reed. 33 laps. That on the last IMT class. Staying up to date with the action is easy. With Autolog from Shift2 Unleashed, you know exactly what your friends are doing. All their lap times, all their races, all their mistakes. Autolog, exclusive to Shift2 Unleashed. Well, we're at Sebring. We have 42, 43 minutes of racing to come. And you can follow the American Le Mans series all series long for the whole nine race competition. Next, we're at Long Beach in April. Join us on ESPN2 and ESPN3.com. Live coverage of qualifying on Friday afternoon, April the 15th, on ESPN3.com. And then we've got live streaming race coverage on Saturday, April the 16th. Then, of course, you can watch the race on ESPN2 on Sunday, April the 17th. That's from 5 till 7pm Eastern. The American Le Mans Series, all season long on ESPN. There's our leader. 
Yeah, and he's doing exactly what he needs to do with Loic Duval. He's turning a series of consistently quick laps. And if he keeps this up, I think he's just about going to have enough. Well, he, I think he's going to have enough time to come in and make that splash and go with maybe a couple of laps to go. And assuming there's no dramas on the outlap or yeah. with the fueling or anything else, uh, he should be good uh, would that to be win this the, race. Would that be the all Not things being equal yeah, quote, really. which things are seldom. He doesn't need to... What he doesn't need to do is get caught up in a gaggle of GT cars. He doesn't need to be offline and get his tyres dirty and lose a, a couple of three seconds for two or three laps running while he's going past the GT cars in the dirt. He's got to play a very careful and relatively long game for this next 40 minutes. And Loic Duval is going to be hearing all kinds of weird noises from that car right now. What he's got to do is put his foot to the floor because he, he's going to have to make another pit stop. So he's got to run as fast as he can, make, pull out as much of an advantage he... as he can to, 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 to be able to make that pit stop and still come out ahead of Simon Pagano. And I think he can do it. He's still turned a 151-1 last Montani's time. Well, in the pits. Second place car in the pits. 41 minutes to go. We knew that he would have to come in. This is pretty much... Uh, it's interesting. That's uh, yeah. exactly halfway through the gap from the last time that he stopped. Okay. So he's getting in now so that... He's good to go all so, the way to the end. So he doesn't get caught if there is a full yeah. course caution. That's Absolutely. why. Absolutely. And it's Rick Bruhl who's down in the Peugeot workspace. Originally, when they were talking to Frank Montanay, they were saying that they were going to bring him in about another five laps beyond this. Obviously, they've moved it up. They're going to, their goal to put in a little bit of fuel, enough to get him to the very end of this race. And then and let's see if they're going to change tires. They're getting poised. They're getting ready. It looks like they're going to be making the change. Remember... They started this race saying that they didn't expect to win, but now that they're this close, you know they want to do it. They're putting on fresh tires. They're going to have enough fuel. They're going to have fresh tires. The orders to Frank Montané is going to be go all out. Do everything you can to chase down those guys ahead and do it. This is your chance to win, but they've got a problem. They've killed the engine here on pit lane. It's going to cost them a few more seconds. They've got the right front. They had to go back and work on... They came off the jack just a little too soon, and that was the problem. So it spent just a few more seconds in pit lane. You know, you get down to the wire in a race like this, seconds begin to count so much, and you're trying to figure out a way to make two extra seconds, and instead you lose ten. That's absolutely disastrous. Jamie Howe is down in pit lane. A little bit of a change of strategy for the number 10 team or oh. Madlin. They're in the pits for the splash of fuel right now. What they're trying to avoid, Clever. they're trying to avoid a safety car period. They're afraid that they're going to be so tight on fuel at the end that if the safety car comes out, they're going to have to come in and make a splash under yellow and not be able to get enough in to finish. So now they're good at the end of this race. That is brilliant strategy yep. by Hugh Shawnack. He can take, uh, he fills the brim, fills the car. Good to go to the end, and now he knows that it's a straight fight, and that may well have just won him the race in the way that Frank Montani's chances, slim though they were, have now gone to none after they dropped the car off the jack too early. Not the first time we've seen that happen in pit lane. We've also got Roman Dumas, the number one Audi in pit lane. Hugh Shawnack knows he's on camera, and he knows that there is a big race victory. In his grasp, it's there, he can touch it, nearly, he can smell it, certainly, can he see it on the horizon, definitely. <laughs> yeah, great stuff, I mean, that was, that was definitely the smart move, get that pit stop out of the way, they did not want to be caught out by the full course caution. I'm going to throw something in here, and you're going to hate me for saying this, Jeremy. Pagino's in second place, 
and that probably saves Hughes victory doesn't it because if it had been the works car in second place might he have been asked to move yeah, over well. they, can't, they can't do it now unless Frank Montoni gets back into second place and I don't think he can do that no I, I I'm not quite sure why they would have changed tyres there on the number 8 car they changed tyres on the previous stop yep uh, so I didn't really see the need for a fresh set on that uh, eight car. Um, and, you know, it cost him an extra, cost what, 25, 30 seconds, probably. That particularly probably, that miscue. Probably cost him second place. Yeah, Any I chance of second place. That. Yeah, because that, that's cost, you know, if, it cost him at least 20 seconds for sure. Yeah. Uh, and right now he's, what, 30 seconds behind Simon Pagano. So that one baffles me. I mean, the only chance they've got now is if there is a full course caution. Where's yeah, the everybody's closed the up. Only the top three on the lead lap. We're heading into the last 37 minutes of racing here at Sebring 2011. Let's go to GT now. Uh, this is the battle for second position that we're looking at now. The 3 of Tommy Milner. The Chevy Corvette is under pressure from... Dirk Werner, former teammates, these two in the pass is made. The 55 car goes back up into second place and Bobby Rahal has his cars, the BMW Motorsport entries, back into positions one and two. Well, that's a fabulous drive back from those guys. Both BMWs have had trouble, not necessarily of their own making. Let's go to Rick De Brill down the pit lane who has more. I've been listening on the radio as Scott Remke has been talking his driver, Dirk, through this whole thing. Slowly but surely telling him how much time, how much space he's got left. And telling him to run down. One thing I did ask earlier was whether they had enough fuel to make it all the way in for both cars, as a matter of fact. Because you got to remember, that Corvette actually stopped a little later. So if it was tight, the Corvette would have the advantage. Talked to the 55, 56 car, I should say, which is in the lead. They were said, yeah, we think so. But when I talked to Scott Remke about the 55, he says, you bet your and I won't go where else he went with that. But the bottom line is they think that they can run as hard as they can to the finish. And their job was to chase down second place. Well, the BMWs are quick down the back straight. They're being passed at the moment by Dindo Capello in the number two. Audi from the Porsche. Helicam. We can see the BMW just eked out maybe a length, maybe a couple of lengths. It looked for a moment as though Tommy Milner was stiffing around the rear three-quarter paddle of the second-place BMW. That second place is not in the bag yet for Dirk Werner. He's going to have his hand full, hands full with Tommy Milner. And if there's any traffic, that is going to be a real concentration, really important part of the concentration for the drivers getting through the traffic without losing and also being passed. And the leaders coming through can also make a huge amount of difference. Faster cars coming by, these GT runners, it's their hardest job in the world to be the GT drivers. You've got a class or two slower than you and two or three classes quicker than you. There's a real art to letting the leaders by without messing up your own lap. There's another fact. You know, I, I'm curious as to why the Peugeot team, the factory Peugeot team, Carnival 8, decided that uh, they couldn't double stint those tyres at the, the, final, you know, the final portion of this race. Well, maybe they've gone onto something softer because a oh, 151 yeah. one from Frank Montani has cut the gap between himself to Pagano to 26 seconds. Simon Pagano's just been told on the radio to go to fuel map 4. I have no idea what that means. I don't know what map he was on before that and whether higher is richer or higher is... <laughs> On four is uh, Lena. 
that's the all one car is that now a slight concern for Paginot to make it to the end in 34 and a half minutes time they're the leading American Le Mans series car minus 34 and plus 23 minus 34 plus 23 34 minutes remain and that those numbers were minus 34 to Louis Duval that's seconds to the leader and plus 23 from Frank Montani from the 8th Peugeot in second place it's a very calming voice that Rob Hill has isn't it yeah it's super clear isn't it I mean there's no ambiguity there's it's absolutely crystal clear what he says and the radios are pretty good these days so Simon Paginot knows exactly what Rob Hill said and what he meant again at the risk of cheating off people who can't see the pictures the dashboard is absolutely crystal clear on Simon Paginot's if I knew what all of those little gauges meant and now I know that I can see that I am going to go and find out what they mean he's still saving fuel in there Simon Paginot he's definitely lifting off the gas you know, before he gets on the brakes in that car so you know, he's just coasting down to the end of the straight that's a trick you learned of course in, in Chap car someone's off the road are they? Just dropping a whale off, I think, there. Jim, you know, he, he's definitely still in fuel-safe mode. You know, he, he, he had to go just about to the car's limit to get to the end of the race on this final stint of fuel. 23 seconds to Frank Montani. And when they come round again, this time we'll give you the gap again. I'll say what I said earlier on. Somewhere in the centre of England, adjacent to Banbury and Gidden, George Howard Chapel and David Richards are going to be looking at the performance of Simon Pagino, David Brabham, Marino Franchini and the rest of the Highcroft team against the new Peugeots. The new Peugeot is behind the petrol engine car. Now, yes, there's been problems, but they are there on merit. They are there on tactical nous, and they are there, Jeremy, on whatever anybody else says ahead of his car on pace yeah but that, that, that lap around Frank Montani pulled in Simon Pagenaud by almost three seconds on that one lap we've got what 32 minutes to go so about 60 laps here it might come down to when actually you know, when they cross the finish line to take the white flag in this race you know depending wow. on, on how many laps they have to do to get to the end of the race well remember that fantastic finish in GT that had uh, Ferrari and uh, Porsche battling around the 12 hours that had lapped some time before but exactly that the leaders hadn't passed them so they effectively got an extra lap and there's a Petit Le Mans I can remember as well Petit Le Mans last year for yeah, exactly right. one less lap and it would have been a completely different story for the race for the championship even in GT yeah indeed Pagino now minus 32 to Loic Duval and plus 20 and a half yeah. to Frank Montani as I said he pulled in almost three seconds on that one lap did Frank Montani half so an hour half an hour so it's what 15 16 laps you know he it's can catch he him can do that. he can definitely catch him it's only just over a second a lap the only thing about that is if Montani passes Pagino I really hope that Deshona is not told to give up the win to Persia yeah, true yeah we said a while ago didn't we you know there's definitely three cars still in this motor race it's looking good for Lloyd Duval Dindo Capello makes his last pit stop in the number two Audi. Let's have a word for Audi Sport. Not a clean race for them. And problems for both the two and the one car. But they have battled back from way down. And have pretty much kept the distance between themselves and the leads. Their pace in that revamped R15 has been good to Loic Duval in the 10 car, which we're watching now. And there, 
in the darkness. And that is Dindor Capello having just come out of the pit lane for the final time. I think Audi will be relatively heartened by this, Jeremy, to be honest. Yes, they're not getting full points. It's uh, Alan McNish doing the last stint in the car. Surprise. Uh, 22 seconds of fuel and a change from Dindor to Al. I think they'll be relatively hard at this, as I say. The revamped R15 has by no means let itself down. Many of the problems that we've seen were not of their making contact, particularly with this car, when the car was uh, sitting relatively pretty in the top three of the race, Jeremy, when Dindor was attacked. Yep, very much so. And uh, your last lap around, you know, the, the cars have been doing 51s and 52s pretty happily, 50s on occasion, certainly. Uh, and it has been very, very competitive. Year-old car it might be, heavily restricted it might be, but it's still competitive. And that's what the ATO was trying to achieve with its new rules for 2011. Competitive, but not too competitive. Uh, Alexander Vert in the 7 car, who was the... He driver but it was the seven car that was involved with uh, Dindo. They've worked their way back up to eighth position now although quite a few laps further down. Now on board with Romain Dumas. He's done a cracking job out there in the darkness. He and Timo Bernard have been a great sports car pairing for quite some time. Further up the road Pagino is losing time again. Ah, but Montani yeah. is as well, and the rock has been stopped for at least one lap from Simon Pagino as Frank Montani hits traffic. Montani, 17 behind. He's still catching him, but the rate that he's catching him has slowed down a little bit as Montani hits a bit of traffic himself. That's right, caught him by only one-tenth of a second. That lap had been a couple of seconds or more the previous two laps, and you know, that's what it's going to come down to, that the traffic and when, the, uh, when they take the white flag to begin their final lap around this 3.7-mile circuit, I've not got the uh, mental capacity to be able to figure out exactly when that, check of, you know, when that white flag is going to fall and how many laps they are going to have to do to the end of this race. The engineers will know that. Um, I don't know if I haven't got enough computers or brain power. But it's, you know, it's, it doesn't matter, really. It's still fascinating stuff. Frank Montani is driving flat out. If he hadn't changed tyres on that final stint, you know, he'd, he'd now be in second. He probably would be, be in second place. He would be, yeah. Doubtless. He may still do it. Absolutely right. The, the thing about that, if he hadn't... I don't know. Ifs and ands. Let's leave that yeah, to one side. Great. Brilliant. Please, please, please. If well, I'm sure Persia aren't listening to us. But I really hope they don't. If Montani looks like he might well catch Pagino. If he does, I really hope they don't pull... Duval back to him. I don't think they would. Uh, there's a quick lap from Lloyd Duval. 150.55. <laughs> Good lad. For our race leader. 51.9 for Simon Pagenaud. So that gap extends a little bit by a second or so, but still a good lap there by Simon Pagenaud. That's his fastest for some time, Jeremy. Got down under 52. Yep. As we're watching Alan McNish coming towards us yep. with the uh, yellow yes, LEDs. He out a little bit over... Frank Montani on that lap, so Simon Pagano stemmed the tide over the last two laps. 
from Mont Frank Montagny 152.0, Pagano 1, 1 minute 51.9, and Lord Duval quickest of all at 150.5. Now here's a problem for Frank Montagny, and I know now why his lap times have changed. He's got stuck in behind one of the Audis, ah. and they're not letting him by. Why should they? They're in their own race. And don't forget, they want to keep him back down in third position so that they get more points in terms of a, a gap. Yeah. They keep the points gap down as low as possible. McNish at the moment is only one place behind Montani in terms of point scoring. And he will not want Montani to go past him and set about the back of Simon Pagano's car. So this is another nuance. And remember... Peugeot played the team game in Zuhai at the last race of last year when they used the second car to stop Christensen gaining on the Peugeot at the end of the race. So the, there's a bit of payback coming here. Let's go down a pit lane to Highcroft and to Kelly Stavist. Well, David Brabham certainly did his job. Now he's just looking on and cheering on his teammate Simon Pagano. But what are your thoughts here, David, as you watch these final 25 minutes? Well, I mean, it's been a fantastic race, hasn't it? I mean, it's just been full on the whole uh, 12 hours. I mean, the, the Highcroft team has just done a fantastic job. HBD and uh, Words Research, Michelin, all our partners to, to come here at the beginning of the week with a car never turned to wheels, brand new, and to go through the race like we have is just unbelievable. We assume that Simon's now in a, in a fuel conservation mode. He's losing a little bit of time. Do you know at all the fuel situation? And, and do you have confidence that you guys can pull out a miracle here? Well, I think we might need a miracle to win. But, um, you know, we've been trying to save fuel for some time and get as much as we can, obviously, for this sort of stage of the race. So Simon's doing a fantastic job out there. I mean, it's, I know it's not easy to go out there and push as hard as you can and try and save fuel at the same time, but he's doing a great job. When you guys showed up here with a brand new car five days ago, though, did you think you'd be in this situation where you were looking for the overall win? Well, I think we were hoping, but, um, you know, it seemed a long, long way away, that's for sure. Thanks, David. Thanks. Doesn't look relaxed at all, Bob's that, does he? He's like, can't, neither does you, Deshaunak, sitting with his arms crossed on the perch. Olivier Paddy to his left, the right of the screen. Just a couple of moments ago. <laughs> well, Every picture tells a story. He's got the white faced Daytona Rolex on there, appropriate enough for the ILMC. And he was saying a little prayer, looking at his watch. As Loic Duval holds on. I don't think Duval has got to worry about Pagano no. as we look down from no, no. the Porsche Helicam. It's, it's Montani who's gaining now on Pagano. No, all he's got to worry about, oh, Loic Duval just has to keep his eyes ahead of himself, make sure he, he anticipates what's coming up ahead of him in terms of traffic particularly, just don't make a mistake and he will bring oh. that car home. And I say that in a 51.9 from Pagano, but the gap has gone out to 39 seconds between first and second now. Montani down to 15 and a half. What I haven't seen is whether he's got past Alan McNish yet. No, he has not. No. So McNish is holding him back as they go across the line. McNish at 150.5. That's not... That is not what Simon Pagano and Duncan Dayton, Alan McNish, has speeded up. And Montani only did a 52-1 there. 
So yeah, it's McNeish beginning to gab him. Yeah, once again, he lost a couple of tenths of a second there, Frank Montagne, to Simon Paginot in that battle for second place. Oh, my goodness, mate. Let's take our mind off that for, for a couple of minutes. Let's look at the GT. Still Joey Hand by about uh, 42 oh. or 3 seconds over Dirk Werner. And then Tommy Milner's about another five seconds back in the Corvette in third place. David Faulkner still leads in GT Challenge for Black Swan Racing. And they got a, 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 a lead of, again, around about a lap over Spencer Pampelli for the racers group. Oh, nice. They put Faulkner, they put Temo in for the end. That's a nice touch. He qualified the car. He did a great stint in the middle of the race, getting them a lap back, putting him in a position. Now, there were some of their competitors had uh, problems around them, including a four-minute stop and go for one of... Uh, the leaders and a puncture at an opportune moment. Not that there was ever an opportune moment for a puncture, but uh, you know what I mean? But they were there and they've picked up the pieces. We haven't talked about G GTE, the amateur class, yeah. for a long while. Tracy Crone, that's off to Crone Racing, car number 57, that bright green Ferrari. They've held off a pretty stout challenge, particularly from the Proton, uh, yeah. from the Proton guys. Absolutely yeah. right, with Richard Lights and. Uh, Gianluca Roda, yep. and they're a good team. Christian Reid's a normal peddler either, no, actually, quite. in fairness. He's been around a long time, hasn't he? He and his father have uh, been long-time drivers in sports car racing in Porsches in Europe. But uh, Tracy Crone uh, and his two teammates, Nicholas Johnson and uh, Michele Rugolo, have done a fabulous job. They've kept that car clean, they knew that's, that's what they had to do. And they're actually running what would be eighth place in GT overall. So that's off to those guys. Just 13.6 seconds between Pagano in second in the 01 Highcroft and the 9 Peugeot of Frank Montani. Alan McNish yeah, unwittingly is pulling Montani close to... But McNish is up the road, actually. He's disappeared there. It's mm. not in sight. He's cleared off. 50.4 last time around for Alan McNish. So he's man on the away. track. Yeah, pulled away a, a second and a half over this man, actually. Montani. Not the fastest man on the track last time because that was Neil Yarny. I think he did it. Oh, no, no, that's no, a 56, no, no, sorry. No. But Alexander Wirtz did a 50.9 in the number seven Peugeot in ninth position. And Lloyd Duval has been super consistent. He's oh, lost, been brilliant. Last four laps, uh, 51.9, 51.3, 51.9 and 52.3 this time around on lap 321. We've had a relatively low, low number of retirements as well, Jeremy. So there's still the bulk of the 56-car field, or 55-car, that came to the green flag are still out there. Uh, there's a lot of debris on the track. You're very easy to make mistakes out there in the darkness. And Deval... Well, I thought Hugh's attitude was absolutely superb. Didn't put a gun to his driver's head, said, look, everybody calm down. Right, well, he was fuel mixture four before, and he's gone to fuel mixture two. Is that leaning it off? Might, one might suggest so. Well, let's have a listen to him. We can take with the on-ball. We'll listen to him at the end of the straight and see how, how deep he's taken that car into the corner. Look at the lap time, 152.6 or 8, I think it was last time around. It's about, again, just about the same lap time as Frank Montagny. That gap from second to third is still, what, 13 and a half seconds, and that's about what it's been now for the last three or four or five laps. So I'm not sure whether 
one is the best and therefore two would be next to it or one is the leanest and therefore the least fuel yeah it's, it's frank montani's pace that's the interesting uh, aspect of this for me so 52s now he's not being held up by alan and she's no, had you know, clear pretty off. clear runs and he, and that those are the lap times he's doing consistently and you know they, that was a fresh set of tires they put on at that, that, that last pit stop there is kind of break frank montani is pushing hard but you know if, if this is a if this is a super soft set of michelin tires maybe they're past their best now yeah he may have pushed just a little too hard in those opening laps rick de Bruyne is down in the peugeot sport pit and let's talk about three mistakes that have cost this peugeot team today the first had to do with those louvers on the front end if you weren't watching earlier they had some louvers that came loose as a result they had to change the nose it turned into a long change it cost them an extra 25 seconds and then because of that pedro lami went out on cold tires, thinking he had to do a little bit better. Spun it, probably cost him another 25 seconds. And then finally, that very last mistake they made on their last pit stop cost him even more time. Three mistakes together probably cost him about a minute or so, maybe a minute and a half. And as a result, they're going to lose the race on it. Maybe. Any, any one of those probably. could have got them second place. I'll, I'll certainly uh, go with that, Rick. That's a very good point. Uh, I think they've uh, cost themselves... Certainly a crack at second place, and then you've got to wonder what the team orders would have been between them and Team Oric and Matmut. Yes, it's not the same team, but it is a Peugeot satellite operation with uh, Hugh de Shonak. I'm sure he would uh, be horrified to hear me saying that, but effectively, his car is a Peugeot works car. It's not bought, it's been run by him. There is the car we're talking about striking new colour scheme they had the Harlequin Diamond Mondrian-esque paintwork last year and he is leading by 45 seconds Simon Paginot has now only a dozen seconds between himself and Frank Montani yeah but Montani certainly isn't closing the gap uh, anything like what he needs to or the rate he was doing when he first came out of the pits on that fresh set close. of Michelin tyres. I think it's going to be close for a second. I really do. The joker in the pack here might be Alan McNish because I still think he's between those two. And there is Simon Paginot. Let's have a listen. Coming on to the Ullman straightaway right now, down towards turn 17. Here's the 055 leader coming into the pit lane, the LMP2 leader, Ryan hunter -Ray. I'm a bit disappointed with P2, I've got to say, I really didn't want to have to think that we were going back to the days of, well, the old days it was fast and fragile, now it just seems to be fragile because the cars aren't quick at all, they've been slowed down to the point where the prototype challenge cars or the Formula Mans cars that are known in Europe seem to be quicker and uh, if they're going to be fragile as well that's going to make for a very very long race for one of those guys at Le Mans 11 seconds now between Simon Pagano in second place and Frank Montagny in third place that's a 50, 150 points three for Frank Montagny so all of a sudden he's found a big chunk of time on that lap and conversely Simon Pagano is in traffic, traffic. But uh, 15 minutes to go, so what, seven or eight laps? And that could be critical in itself. Right, OK, come on, Mr Short. Who, 
Duval, we think, will win this. He's got 41 seconds on Paginot. It would be tragic and disgraceful if team holders were brought in to play for that kind of gap. I don't think it will. 10 seconds between Paginot and Montani. Has Simon got enough to hold him off? It's going to be down to fuel in the tank yes. more than anything else, isn't it? Paginot does a 51-4 in fuel-saving mode. That is outstanding driving by Simon Paginot. Come on. Neck on the line. What's the question? Is Montani going to catch him? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think Simon's got enough uh, up his sleeve just about to hold on. It won't be by a lot. Uh, but uh, I think he's got it. I think he's just about got it in hand. As I said before, I still think McNish could be a factor in this. We need to spot the Audi. Oh, there it was. He is just going through. So McNish is still ahead and between the second and third place cars. Given that this is a seven-round series for the ILMC, he will not want that number eight Peugeot to get any more points than it has now. It's under 10 seconds now, the gap from second to third. It's still going, it's still going to be close. It's uh, Montagna, if you could turn, it was a fit, 1 minute 53 that time around, so yeah, the previous lap had been clear. And what's interesting to me, well, actually, Simon Pagenaud was 154 that lap, but up until that lap, we saw Simon actually coming up to some traffic, didn't he? He had a yeah. lift right off to get one of the GT Challenge class past one of the GTC cars at the far end of the racetrack. But, you know, he's been super consistent, and uh, he's certainly been a lot more consistent than has the car number eight with Frank Montagne at the wheel. Respect to... Hey, 12 hours we've been going almost now, and what, 54 seconds between the top three cars. I'd say that's pretty exciting. Respect to Loic Duval, who's done a great job in this last stint. And, and in fairness, before him, we should say that uh, Nicolo Lapierre put them in a position to be able to make the choices that they have. He was outstanding. I said before that Lapierre doesn't often get uh, a lot of credit, but where it's due here... Olivier Panis doesn't seem to have done a lot of work in that car. I may be wrong. I'll have to look back at the stats afterwards. But I, no, I, I don't think he's done the kind of uh, heavy lifting that Lapierre certainly not has done. And that stint towards the end, as I say, certainly the consistency that Lapierre was rocking out in difficult conditions in the sundown area. I think he's only done one stint actually, Olivier Panis. Yeah, hasn't driven the car since. Last six hours, I think. Lap one twenty. Lap one fifty-five. He last got out of the car. Oh, what's this red light on the dashboard? We haven't seen this before. Just uh, right in the middle of the dashboard, beside the kill switch, beside the fire switch. I haven't noticed that before. Let's hope that's not a fuel warning light. Look on the dashboard as well. I can see. A bright yellow light in front of Simon as well, surely not. I'm guessing it's maybe a headlight switch or something like that. It looks to have a toggle underneath it. Get hold up too oh, much. dear me. Traction control light flashing away there next to the gear selector. This is the light we're talking about. I can't remember seeing that before. I may be wrong. I, mean, I am tired. <laughs> 9.3 seconds he has over Frank Montagny. 11 minutes to go.
let's say up behind the steering wheel has been for some time well we're told that the light's been on for a while we hadn't noticed it that's fine forgive me if I'm trying to put more drama into a situation that possibly doesn't need it <laughs> absolutely right there it's, you know, it's a 151.9 again for Duvalde so he's back down to his pace last lap was a 153.5 a little bit more traffic than usual but you know, very consistent by and large is Lloyd Duval you know, he's, uh, he's been around the sport a long time he's, for, for most of the last 10 years or so he's been racing in Japan uh, both in uh, Formula Nippon and in sports cars over there uh, and now making the move back to Europe and, and effectively effectively world championship racing uh, but you know, the guy has experience and ability and he's showing every bit of that all day long today all week long for Hugh Dushonak and Orica team Matmut well we're in the last 10 minutes underneath that mark now and it's still Loic Duval who leads 43 seconds but the battle is still raging for second place appreciate that some of you are listening and can't see the pictures that we've been talking about for a while so don't forget it's under eight seconds now 12 30 <laughs> eastern tomorrow here in the united states espn on abc for the highlights of the 59th annual mobile one 12 hours of sebring presented by fresh from florida 151.5 for Frank Montagny, 153.1 for Simon Padner. That gap is now below 8 seconds. 7.747. That is the number. <laughs> the There's a good number. lap again for Lloyd Duval, 150.8 on that 327. Loic Duval may well unwittingly decide who gets second place here because it's going to depend when he comes round whether he's yeah. got two minutes to go or one minute fifty to yeah. go when they come round. That's right. To get the white flag. If it's, uh, I think if it's over about one minute fifty-three, one minute fifty-five, they won't throw the white flag. I think if it's fifty-five or under, they will. Yeah, it could well come down to that. There'll be a number in somebody's mind. It might be two minutes. It might be two minutes to yeah. go. There'll yeah. be a number in somebody's mind in race control. And that's absolutely critical because the Highcroft car stopped with you know, with 50 minutes to go in the race. So if they've got to do 52 minutes, that's going to be a problem. No question about it. And that's why we've heard the, the, the calls from the radio, from Rob Hill to Simon Pagano, go to fuel mixture two or four or whatever it happens to be it's down to two now yeah now whether that's going up or down i would presume it's going down if they've got some fuel worries well they gave me a seed for sebring and the 12 hours this year and for the first time since i came here i've sat down for most of the race in fact we're all by the first few laps but now i'm on the edge of it because this is sports car racing in its absolute finest Simon Paginot battling with the car a brand new car they don't know what this car's like in low, low fuel conditions they don't know 
how much they're going to get pick up from the bottom of the tank they don't know when it's going to run dry there's so many unknowns about this they got the car last saturday these guys are racing this car for the first time the number eight of frank montani all they know is they've got to push hard and he's still got alan mcnish between him and the back of simon pagino if you look into the distance when we're looking at the eighth Peugeot, you'll see the very distinctive two red led strips on the end plates of the r15 plus plus disappearing down the other so that's mcnish mcnish is the white headlights the second of the white headlights coming towards us now and the first one was pagino so yeah uh, there he goes that's mcnish turning in there you can see the bright number two on the side of the car there's a, those very distinctive rear wing tail lights that's pagino oh my goodness me six and a half minutes to go jeremy sean john hindoff espn3.com <laughs> so so mcnish Ooh. and montani are catching simon pagino <laughs> last lap around for mcnish actually uh, he didn't actually put any time on pagino 152 5 for alan mcnish 151.8 for simon pagino so once again simon has answered the call there and he has extended that gap over frank montani by one second last time around now here is a question about team orders because Peugeot might well be saying to you, Deshaunak, now, can you get Loic to push a little bit because we want an extra lap out of this? And they'll, they'll try and get him around so that he gets one more lap. It, that is something that they could ask him to do. He's got the fuel, we think, now. We know he's got the fuel now to go at the end. And he's varying his lap times, obviously, within traffic. But he will control when the white flag is shown. Have a look when, uh, see if I can see exactly when Duval crosses the line to complete this lap would be lap 329 and therefore see how long there is to go on the clock before the end of the no. 12 hours that was just it, gone it? through so it's 24 35 so we've got five minutes it a, to go it was about 5 so three laps, basically it's about it? 5 13 to go when he crossed the line so you're talking just over, what, 10 miles, 11 miles of racing to go. We've seen races in the American Le Mans series decided way inside this, even at the head of the field. Yeah, it's awfully close for, for, for Highcroft Racing. It really is. He's got to do 26 laps on this stint of fuel, I reckon. This was the final pit stop. And this is the Michelin move of the race. The early pit stop by Hugh de Shornak and the Orica team. They give Loic Duval a full tank of sulfur-free clean diesel and allowed him to hold on to the lead and push it out to 45 seconds. Fantastic lap from Simon Pagino, 150.5 in the last two laps. He's taken time back out of Frank Manchani. <laughs> yeah, great stuff. 50.5, that's, that's a great job. Fastest man on the track at the moment. Best Alan Mnish could do was a 50.9. So the last couple of laps, Simon has, has made some ground. Both of the last two laps, he'd made ground on Frank Montagny. Apologies for completely ignoring everyone else in the race, but as you can imagine, at this, as we're on the O1 at the moment, looking forward, that this is where the action is. Three minutes, 40 seconds to go. And it's all about the eight and the O1. And it's actually all about where the 10 car is on the track. Lloyd Duval in the 10. Last year's Peugeot. Once again, credit to the ACO for getting their sums right. A lot of people not, not 
really believing that all this goes. balancing was going to work. He's crossed the line now. Right. Three minutes and 25 as he went through. Here's the GT leader. We haven't really forgotten about your Joey Hand and BMW. He's ahead of his teammate Derverna by best part of a lap now. 56 from 55. What a race it's been for those guys. Well organised, well drilled, cool, calm and collected. The problems they've had mainly by people running into them. But they're going to pull out a pretty impressive double here with Tommy Milner, former BMW driver, now with Chevy Corvette in the 03 car in third and the second of the Chevys in fourth position for Jan Magnussen. Another comeback drive after that accident. And Tommy Milner still only 11 seconds behind Dirk Werner. Uh, that's the gap between second and third in GT2. In GT is just 11 seconds. Yeah, so no slip-ups uh, required from second place. The gap from first to second is 41 seconds. It's come down a little bit as Loic de Val has eased his pace through the traffic. Oh, Hugh Shonak. <laughs> he is sports car racing for me. I've seen him race all over the world. We've seen him here in the American Lawn Series with Orica. The Orica Vipers, of course, it's down be, through the years. It's going to be white flag. I think, yeah, it'll be white flag next time around, pretty sure. So that'll mean that Pagano has to do 26 laps on this stint of fuel. That's what he's exactly what he has done the last two stints. So that's how close it was. There's nothing in reserve at Highcroft Racing. White flag when the car comes to the line. This time we've got less than a lap of time to go. Now that is very interesting because Loic de Val's just done two relatively slow laps. A 55 last time around and as he takes the last lap, another 55. And look at the emotion, look at the tension in the face of Hugh de Shornak of Orica. Great to see. Loic de Val in the venerable 908 HDI FAP has driven immaculately in this last stint does any everything his chef to keep has asked him to ably backed up by Nicola Lapierre this and is Olivia an emotion Olivia Panny didn't do quite as much work no. this time around but he's been part of Orica for so long has Panis and look at the emotion in the eyes and on the face of Hugh de Shornak Simon Pagino goes across the line and Pulled in five seconds, he did uh, that time around, almost on Lloyd Duval, and the gap from second to third, still ten seconds. Pagino has saved just enough gasoline to make it to the end of the race, we hope. We'll give you the class winners, we'll give them their due after the chequered flag, but this race is about Peugeot. This race is the first of the 2011 ELMS and the ILMC. And it's going to be a Peugeot that wins, but not perhaps the Peugeot that the script writers might have thought, particularly from France. Hugh de Shornak, single-seater, racing through the ages. GT wins here. GT wins at Le Mans. But this is the first big outright race. He's in tears on the pit wall. And he is rightly proud of what he's achieved today. This is one of the older cars beating the odds. The ACO have done it again. They've managed to get the sums right. They've done it more times right than wrong. Look <laughs> to ballistic as we have our first win of the season. Bravo, mon brave.
fantastic scenes. Thoroughly well deserved. Nothing streaky about that at all. In GT, it's been a battle against adversity for Bobby Rahal's BMW Motorsport Squad with Joey Hahn taking it. Done a 24-hour in the Steam Club in two months. That's not bad. <laughs> it's not, it's bad, not at bad at all. all. And there goes Simon Pagano across the line. 31 seconds the deficit after 12 hours. Fantastic. Yeah, pulled it back in the last few laps as Louis Duval eased his pace. There is the battered but victorious 56 car. There is a veritable scrum by Hugh de Shornak. There's a lot of Frenchmen there who are going to have a very big hangover tomorrow. The checkered flag is out. The fireworks are on the way. We have our winners in class. Duval, Ryan Hunter-Ray, Cameron, Joey Hahn and Damien Faulkner wins in GTC. The mobile 112 hours of Sebring presented. Updates are brought to you by Autolog, the revolutionary feature of Shift 2 Unleashed that keeps you in the action even if you're away from the race. Well, warm congratulations to Hugh de Schoenach and the uh, team at Orica for their fantastic win. And we really hope you've enjoyed this uh, coverage brought to you in association with Nissan here on Radio Le Mans. And if you've enjoyed the race, well, why not be there next year? Don't forget, next year you can go to the Sebring 12 Hours with the RadioLeMans.com Travel Club. We offer exclusive travel and accommodation packages to Sebring. And of course, if you want to get your fix of sports car endurance racing a bit quicker, at the Le Mans 24 Hours, the Nürburgring 24 Hours, and Daytona as well. So don't forget to click on the Travel Club link from the RadioLeMans.com website. And talking about our website, don't forget there's also the forum there to join up and join the conversation at the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective now on the Radio Le Mans Forum. And coming up on Radio Le Mans in the coming week on Wednesday, we have Midweek Motorsport at 8 o'clock in the UK, which I think is now 4 o'clock for this week in the US. We'll be discussing everything that happened in Sebring as well as looking forward to the start of the Formula 1 season in Australia. And on Thursday, because IndyCar's also starting this weekend as well, we have an IndyCar preview. So an IndyCar preview on Thursday at 8 on RadioLeMans.com and Midweek Motorsport on Wednesday at 8 on RadioLeMans.com. And thank you all for listening to this fantastic service here on and now back to unleashed you know exactly what your friends are doing all their lap times all their races all their mistakes autolog exclusive to shift to unleashed absolutely right i mean the first major victory at the top class of sports car racing for Uja Shonak and uh, team orica matmut uh, a magnificent second place on that debut for highcoff racing's brand new hpd lmp1 car and you know for the factory peugeot team hey third place it's a it's a shakedown it's the first run for a brand new car this is exactly what they wanted they just wanted to learn what they need to do to make this car a winner at le mans that is their primary focus this season come away with a third place finish be competitive all day long they've got to be happy and both Audis behind them yes and both that's a bonus yes it is and, and you know and both works Peugeot's made it to the finish there was a few problems for the number seven car but there is Alex Verks. he brings the car across the line in eighth place 
Yeah, and even Audi in fourth and fifth position, not happy with that result, I bet. But it could have been a whole heck of a lot worse for those guys. They were so far down, we couldn't even see them on our second timing screen. Outside the top 34 at one stage, both of those cars. Great drive back by McNish and uh, Christensen and Dindo Capello. Ably backed up by the younger driving squad of Duma and the rest of the guys. Here's the final results of the LMP1. These are all provisional, of course, till after tech. It's the Lapierre Duval and Panis number 10 Peugeot, the Matmut car that wins it. Great for them. And the 0-1 defending LMS champions, Brabham, Franchitti, Pagano in second place for Highcroft for HPD and for Nick Worth. Well done, guys. In third place, the first of the new P1 cars from Peugeot, the Diesel, Montani, Sarazan and Lamy, the car in third position. Then the two Audis, the 016 Dyson with Chris Dyson, uh, Smith and Cochran in that kind. Sixth position, that was a pretty good run for them as well. Not sure what to make of the uh, Jani Prost and Blakemolen run, the Rebellion car with the Toyota engine. They, th I think, will have wanted to do just a little bit better than that. Behind them, Alexander Wurtz, and then in uh, ninth position in the GT category you've got to go the G, uh, the LMP1 category you've got to go a bit further down because it was only really the top eight who were running competitively at the end the usual media scrum at Sebring we've got all of our Pitlou reporters in there and we'll bring you the interviews with the winning drivers as soon as we can so don't go away here on ESPN3.com Lloyd Duval is in danger of being injured by his team who were giving him the bumps down there in the pit lane let's uh, head back to our pit lane crew they have literally got him off the ground that is an accident waiting to happen down there I've never seen anything like it a lot of happy Frenchmen fantastic stuff the class winners again Dan Cameron uh, for the 0-C-6-3-6 General Racing LMPC in ninth position uh, overall and only 20 laps off the lead at the end. Let's go down to Jamie Howe who is somewhere in that scrum. I am right in the middle of all of the action on Victory Row. Louis Duval talking to the team right now, getting on top of the car. So much congratulations, giving himself a pat on the back. There's so much action down here on pit lane right now. I am not sure if we're going to be able to get him. He's coming off the car. Louis Duval, if someone would have said to you before the start of this race that you were going to come home victorious, would you have believed him? No, not at all. I mean, we didn't expect at all to be, to be that quick and that lucky today. But at the end, you know, at the end, it's a, it's a great achievement. What we did today, I mean, it was that bad. It's great. What does this mean to Timur Kamatmut? It's great, you know, they came here in the U.S. They won with the Viper, and this year we won with the Peugeot. It's fantastic. Look at that smile, and look at, look at this team. So much excitement down here today. Hugh Deshaunak, well done, man. Well done. In tears for the whole of the white flag lap. <laughs> and who says real men don't cry? That is what we like to see in sports car racing. Real passion from the heart. Yeah, there's, there's few people more passionate about the sport than Yusda Shonak. Let's check the GT results. Had a great racing from them for pretty much all of the 12 hours. And even at the end, a change of position in the last 40 minutes or thereabouts. Sees a good result for BMW. The two BMW Motorsport entered cars first and second. They were the hit of the weekend, but only for other people. That's what caused their problems, good recovery drives from both of them and also from the 
Chevy Corvettes, the O3 car coming home on the podium in third place, backing up their great victory at the end of last season. The O4 car having to overcome their difficulties as well. The best of the Ferraris was the pole-sitting car from AF Corsa. Could have been a little better for them. And the Flying Lizards, the 045 in sixth place. Rick Tabrell. Down here with the GT winner, Joey Hand. Congratulations. You're now a Sebring winner for the first time. When the car had that flat early on, you weren't in it, but did you have doubts you'd be able to be here in Victory Circle? Oh, you do for sure. But these guys, I'll tell you, it all goes... <laughs> Back to these uh, BMW, Ray Hall, Letterman, Landing guys, and BMW Motorsport. These guys worked so hard over the off-season to build two brand-new race cars. This car, when I got in it the first time, I told them this is a great car. I like it a lot. And uh, Monday when I got in, I said, we, we got a chance at this. I've been pushing hard. I won the Rolex 24. I won the 12-hour Sebring now. It's pretty crazy. But it's great to do it with this team because this BMW has been my home for a while. And uh, we had some great Dunlop tires today. I could I could go as hard as I wanted to go, and uh, they just kept on keeping on with me. All right, a two-hour stint at the very end of the race, and Joey Hand comes away with a victory at Sebring in GT. It's a bit of talent there. Oh, yeah. A bit of talent there, definitely. In uh, LMPC, Dan Cameron in the 036 from the 005, the court. Warner Sports car of uh, Ryan DL at the end. And... Uh, Let's go down to Kelly with Ryan Hunter Ray. And the whole level 55 crew chanting Ryan, Ryan as he gets out of the car. And, and for Ryan Hunter Ray, probably not the cleanest uh, win you've ever celebrated. But what does it mean to get Scott Tucker his first LMP2 victory and to be paired up here with Luis Diaz? Well, this is what, uh, this is what endurance racing and Sebring 12 hours is all about. Is, uh, it's just endurance you know making it happen with this this team has done such an amazing job i've never seen a group of guys work so hard in such a short amount of time and to win here at the 12 hour with level five racing and and honda and michelin it's um man it's a dream come true i'm a florida boy and i've always wanted to win this race and these guys made it happen so <laughs> congratulations second in p2 for the debutants, another debutant team, the uh, Signatech Nissan, the Signatech uh, Nissan Orica, Frank Meyer bringing the car to the end. Let's have a look at the GTC results, and this makes great reading for us because we've got some friends in here as well. The 054 of uh, Black Swan Racing with Damien Faulkner qualifying the car and doing a great j job in the middle to get the lap back. He becomes the first Irishman since Derek Daly something like 20 years ago to win a class or anything indeed here at Sebring. We know Derek Daly was watching on ESPN3.com. The 066 coming through into second place and the 030, well they had a four minute stop and go penalty. How much different could their day have been without that? Tremendous job too, and also a good debut for JDX racing their fourth place. They just missed the podium. It was close. Let's go down to Jamie, who has the GTC winner. Tim Papp is coming in. You're defending your 2010 GTC championship. You had to work hard for this 12-hour win. What does it mean to the team? Oh, it means so much. Everyone from Black Swan, we worked so hard. We had such a hard week this week. Sebring just knows how to beat you up, spit you out, and here we are, we win. We win. So I'm so proud of the guys. It's really, this is all about the team, Black Swan Racing. Great job for everyone. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Congratulations. 
Happy man, and well done, Faulkner. Here's the confirmation of what we were telling you earlier on. This is LMPC with General Racing, the 036 car from the two core cars, second and third. That'll be a party to go to as well later on. And well done to the 063 coming through to fourth position after they had problems earlier on. Elton Julian, remember, having that off and uh, after an accident, an incident with another car. Johnny Morlam didn't have a great day in terms of results. Sixth position, but he was quick when he was in the car. And eventually a broken floor put them out after a fire. Uh, but Morlam still got the speed. Yeah, great result there for General Racing. Came away with a first and a fourth. And as you say, court order sports second and third on their debut at this level. Fabulous job. With the X-Level 5 car. So that's been a good, good day for Scott Tucker. As you can see, the podium ceremonies are beginning to get underway. The Peugeot team, including Hugh de Schoenach on the extreme left, up with his drivers there, and rightly so. Yes, it's been a textbook victory for those guys. I mean, they've they've planned their strategy perfectly. They were a little bit short. They knew they were going to a little bit be a little bit short on fuel. Nothing they could do about that. So they just did. They just focus on the job at hand. Make sure they didn't make any mistakes. Make sure they make their final pit stop just to ensure they weren't caught out in case there was a late full course caution period. And they came away with the victory, having barely put a. I can't remember doing anything wrong all day long. Can you plan your strategy yeah. and then execute it? You know, Absolutely. you can't ask for anything more than that. Doesn't matter what your sport is: basketball, football, hockey, or motor racing. Plan out what you're going to do, play to your strengths, and then make it happen. Make as few mistakes as possible. And that must have been their mantra today because they've absolutely delivered on that. The margin of victory at the end, 31, 32 seconds. But really, it wasn't in doubt for the last 40 minutes when they did absolutely the right thing and brought the car in. The moment they knew they can get enough fuel in it to get it to the end of the race because it's, and it's a European team. Of course, they sometimes don't read the strategy calls, but Hugh's been over here with Orica Vipers so many times. They dominated the GT1 classes. I think they pretty much know how to work the yellow flag rules, and it seemed that it worked for them today. There's the car right in the middle of the victory road there with uh, the GTE amateur car, the Crone Racing car. That's a nice victory for them. Tracy Crone has been third at Le Mans in the GT2 class as it was then. Now he's got to stand on the top of the podium at another classic sports car race. He'll be hoping that he can repeat this in June. Relatively new team with the kinetic organisation of Nick Johnson. Yeah, yeah, they're used to running cars in, you know, in uh, the uh, Rolex series as well. So you know, it's, they've got a lot of experience in that team. David Brown is the chief engineer. He's, he's spent many years in Formula One. Uh, they, they develop cars, they design cars, they've run cars, and uh, you know, it's, it's a championship-winning organisation already, so no surprise they'd be running up front. And in the, we've managed to find the LMPC winner, Dan Cameron, who did a fabulous job today. Rick DeBeel. Not easy finding him, but a lot tougher getting to Sebring's Victory Circle. Congratulations, Dane Cameron. Let's talk about your day. And, you know, we always ask, did you expect to be here? No one truly expects, but you sure hope. Yeah, that, that was a pretty picture-perfect run for uh, for Sebring. I mean, just big, 
big, big thank you to Genoa and all the guys working so hard. I mean, no mechanical problems whatsoever the whole time. Just fall, so we just clicked off laps all day, which is exactly what we came here to do. Just a little on the conservative side, just be a little safe through traffic, and you know, nobody made any big mistakes. Pit stops were all great, and it was just a, a perfect plan, and, and it worked out well. And we were up front all day. I think we led. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, go to www.radiolamont.com. Radio Show Limited. We talk to the world.